Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. You know, we got you look great. You always look great. We got to... Do we have these shirts in for sale now in inventory up on the in the store, whatever that stuff is? Because I if got we more don't, people asking. If we me. don't, they're coming. I know Rob's working on it with a couple of our contacts. Two, two weeks, weeks out, out Rob. Two said. weeks out, we'll have all you the merch. You know how many people come up to me and say, "How do I get those fights, George?" You know, <laughs> and you know, part of me, yeah, but and part then of they, me, and then of course they say, "How do I get one autograph by Ken?" I said, "Look, <laughs> that that's a little bit more difficult, but we'll get you the." Oh show. no, 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 no! I'll tell you exactly how. November seventeenth. Anyone that wants a picture, an autograph. 20 bucks, anything you want, you come and see me at the Teddy Atlas, the Dr. Atlas Foundation on Staten Island, and I'll do anything you want, short of, you know, anything to do with taking my pants down. I'll take a picture, I'll sign your autograph, anything you want, and you'll get to very see nice. Teddy as well. Oh, that's that's very nice. And uh, my man Pedro, who I've made the acquaintance of, who's my friend now, um, I told you, we talked about a couple of weeks ago that he came over from Miami, had dinner with my family, and, you know, just a good guy, and um, very smart guy, lawyer. My daughter's a lawyer, so I'm I'm lucky. I got a few smart people around me. Thank and, God um, for Elaine, huh? Well, Elaine is the best. You know? <laughs> she and, must have passed those in, the intellect yeah. genes. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't think it came from me. Um, that, that's for sure. I'm teasing but, you. You're although the argumentative side might have, the argumentative oh, side. Oh, for sure. Uh, that that could have for my daughter Nicole to be able to debate arguments. Um, but anyway. Uh, I was talking to Pedro, and you know he loves the show. He's an avid listener of the show, and he really loved the episode. What was it last week when I was talking about you know the great, great job that you did in the Chicago Marathon? I mean, you ran under two hours and thirty minutes, incredible, um, and you came in second by thirty-seven seconds. And so we, he was talking about that, and he said, you know. I loved the part where you started talking about the history of the marathon and then when Ken started reading about it. But not only is he an avid fan, um, Pedro, like a lot of our fans, he, he's a well-read uh, fan. And he immediately said it was, it was really good and I loved it. But he said, when you were talking about the history of the marathon and you're reading the info, you know, and about the the great Herodotus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but you could help me with that. But um, we had both said it was a legend of the marathon, and Pedro immediately corrected me and said, no, it was actually factual. It is oh, not, yeah, no, yeah, sorry. It, that that yeah, is true. Yeah. I knew yeah. it happened. Yeah, it's 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 factual. It's I mean, it's legendary, but it's not a legend. It's actually factual. And it was recorded by Herodotus, uh, the father of history, in his lapidary work, History of the Punic Wars. Well, wow, that's about as, that's about as uh, literate as I'm going to get today um, and as deep <laughs> as I'll get maybe for a while. But... Uh, he really, he really liked it, and it, at the end of the day, I said, you know what? That might have given me a nickname 
for my man Ken Herodotus. I might start calling you Herodotus. I, I better find that. out. Oh, what a what a nickname. Listen, I never gave one of my partners a nickname um, <laughs> before. Now, some of them they wouldn't like the one that I would take on. <laughs> this is a nice one. This is a beautiful <laughs> one. This is a powerful one. And um, anyway, I just figured I'd share that. Uh, which, you well, know, thank you to Pedro. I'm looking forward to meeting you hopefully at the Dr. Atlas. Yeah, he'll be at the dinner. He'll be at the dinner with a lot of other good people. And, um, he's on his way to Poland and Uzbekistan. Um, you know, yeah. Globetrotter. Yeah. He, he, I mean, the first thing that came to mind for me was I spent a month in Poland, in Krakow and Katowice years ago while I was still an Iron Curtain communist country. And I was training oh, Willem Dafoe. Oh, that must have been fun. Oh, my God. I, it was unbelievable, Ken. And, I mean, a lot of poor people and a lot of problems. And you know, I know, but uh, seeing uh, that stuff. But no, no, I, it was amazing I, because it doesn't exist like anymore. That, no, the world changed. your life. I, no, it did. It did. I mean, it was a big deal to be able to get toilet paper. I mean, it was. It was a. It was a big. Yeah, deal. but that's and, that experience is invaluable. And you I need got to toilet paper just like. for those people out there right away that are probably thinking. And you know, you know what, Teddy? Even if you didn't, we live in a state of constant decadence in this country. Oh, We're God. so comfortable. You no, can so do true. anything. You can knock it off your couch. You can order dinner, order a car service. They'll deliver anything. It's like we're so soft. Everything is at they your They used fingertips. to wait on lines. They literally wait on lines to get bread. I remember. I remember walking past. So what is this line for? I would ask the person that, you know, the, my interpreter, the person that was driving me to the set that day uh, for the movie because it was a Holocaust movie and we did it in the original death camps of of Birkenau Auschwitz. And, and Auschwitz. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was called Triumph of the Spirit and I trained Willem Dafoe. I played a part in it and I choreographed all the fight scenes. And Arnold Kobelson was the producer. He had uh, just produced Platoon, which won an Academy Award. Damn. And and yeah, it was a it was quite a thing, and it was quite an experience. To your point, it really was. And I remember, as I said, like the only way you could get like a piece of fresh fruit or something, you had to buy it on the black market, and and you had to do what they called hard currency, either German. Uh, Deutsche Marks or, or American money and there wasn't much of that going around we were using Zelati which was forget it it was like I the uh, they got I think that they made a deal the movie company with the black market so they were getting like <laughs> a thousand yeah they were getting like a thousand don't hold me to it but I'm telling you I'm pretty close they were getting like a thousand Zelati for one American dollar I mean it was really it was monopoly money it you was crazy. You could buy a loaf of bread was, for a trillion zelatis. It was crazy. So that's what we were supposed to use, you know, for expenses and, you know, stuff around there. And um, I literally, I would go with Arnold. I would go into his office. He got to like me. And, you know, and I was choreographing the fights and he was into it. And he would open up his, his drawer and it would be stacks of zelati. Um like this, like like it was crazy. It was. I said, "What is that?" He said, "That's Solani." I said, "That's that's like Monopoly money." I said, "Give me some of that." So I, I <laughs> and, and and he said, "What are you going to do with it?" I said, "I'm going to give it to my driver. Um, she's got three kids, and I'm going to give uh, I'm going to give some to the waiters." 
It's a great story, actually. So uh, he goes, all right, all right. So I, I grabbed, like, he goes, do you know you got, like, five years' salary there? I mean, like, really? You got, like, a couple years' salary for somebody here. It's they, crazy, they make, right? So, yeah, it was, like, th- it was crazy. It was th- like, the Zelati they got was 100000 Zelati a month, whatever. It was, like, $35 American money a month. So I got all this I got all this money, this, this like, that's not even real to me. And I'm passing it out to all my people. And I'm giving it to the waiters and stuff. And one of the actors, Eddie Olmos, he's a famous actor. I remember he got a little upset and he said to Willem, you know, Teddy's thrown off the system here. And Willem was like, the what? And that's true. I, uh, the system here, like these people, when we leave, they're going to be crying. They, they, they think, you know, Teddy's giving all the... And then, and then I heard it. I There's said, a lot of things to consider uh, yeah, when you're I know, in poor but, but countries. I know, but I got to be honest. I'm not going to fake it. I said I don't give a damn. I'm I said, with you. I don't care because while I'm here, they're going to be a little happier. So you know what? I, I I don't care if it throws off the system, the balance of things. Are you kidding me? You know, uh, I'm not. It's not like the 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 red dotted hummingbird is going to be extinct you know what i mean i mean I, you're talking about money that people that don't even have money to really eat i i, I can give them a little extra of this stuff so i'm passing around here's the funny thing here's the here's the really the the great part of the story so eddie's not too happy you know he's a little upset you know he's not gonna <laughs> say too much but he's a little upset that you know i'm giving all this money out and then the next day we come in the restaurant in the hotel where we were staying and he can't, we got about, he's looking for a waiter. Ken, he can't get a waiter. And he's like, waiter, <laughs> waiter, where, where's all the, and he looks up and there's about eight of them around my table. <laughs> <laughs> and Willem started laughing here. You need a waiter, Eddie? You need a waiter? <laughs> Try tipping. <laughs> you know? And, and it was really, it was hysterical. He couldn't get a freaking waiter. He goes, this is ridiculous. This is, he, he's, Teddy has single-handedly like obstructed the system. I said, what system? What system? Shove it up your, you know, wh- what system? You kidding me? So, um, so that was the story. It was so I, I was handing out. I, I mean, it was like forget about it. It was crazy, um, and I felt good that I could do that. But I would give out American money once in a while, like a twenty dollars bill. That's that was the thing. So I would tip my, I would tip my chambermaids. You know, the the people that clean your room every day, right? The, and I would give them. You know, I I give them every couple of days twenty dollars, ten dollars, whatever. Oh my God, Ken! I I came back. No, everyone in the hotel they were saying, and they were cautionary tales. They were saying, "Listen, guys, the toilet paper is it's it's very rare, so be very careful with how you use your toilet paper. Very care. It's very rare. Very hard to get." I come back to my room. I got ten rolls of toilet paper. I mean, I I, I got I, I, I got shaman I got shaman up the kazoo. I got I got toilet. I got but 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 Ken, I got toilet paper. I. So I I started using it as incentive. I would tell Willem, "Listen, you have a good day of training here today. You get a you get a roll of toilet paper. Yeah, you, you get uh, a listen and, for and, the people yeah. for the people listening. If you think that this is not a big deal to Teddy, when we were at training camp in Philly, this is a guy that needs ten of everything." We go, we go over to Costco or whatever it was, uh, Target next to us to do some food shopping, and they had clothes and stuff. 
And Teddy says to me, oh, hold on, I got to buy some socks. And I said, Teddy, we were just in your room. I think you have no shit. Like, no, no kidding. I think you've got like 10 pairs. Elaine sent you with a bag of like brand new socks. He's like, I don't want to run out of them. I'm like, are you never going to wash them? You're just going to wear them once? I go, you have enough. We're here eight weeks. You have a pair of socks to represent every single day we're here. You had 10 of everything, 10 bars of soap. It reminds me of your stories about Customato, like the tuna fish is over here. Well, the man is over well, here. Well, you have to have maniacs. No sense of having tuna. No sense of having tuna if you don't have maniacs. I mean, really, then you're screwed. Then you're I'll screwed. I'll tell you one so, thing. You have so a the, new I, I have well, a new respect for process when you see someone who's at the top of their game and they have a process that might seem foreign to you you can't disagree with something that has worked for someone else when you see someone even with running while you're running 10 miles a day uh, please don't worry about how i do it i do what works for me and teddy does what works for him so i have no doubt that you had 10 rolls of toilet paper oh no <laughs> no, no i did but but because i tipped and and yeah. they, they brought on so I had all the so the the actors would come to me. Hey, hey you know, they'd be nervous, you know, to talk to me. So they go to Willem. They say, Willem, you think uh, Teddy could maybe uh, spare a, you know, push over here this direction or roll the toilet paper? I don't know. I don't know. I have to. I will see. We'll see. Let me talk to him. Let me talk to him when he's <laughs> in a good mood. So now, and then. You got to have cash, hard cash to get fresh fruit. So one of the guys would take me to the black marketplace to, to a, like a place where if you had the hard currency, you could buy fruit. So I would buy a few bananas, a few apples and stuff. Oh, my God. If Willem, again, if Willem, like I pushed him hard that day of training, you know, I give him a banana. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I said, you did good today. You get a banana, kid. You, you know, and then I think about it. I said, wait a minute. You get half a banana. Wait a minute. I, these things don't grow on trees. You know what you say about <laughs> they, You know the, what I mean? Uh, you they, know what you they, say they, about having the hard cash. I think that, I think that that's like a, a city. I think that that's like a, a city thing. And especially for people who grew up with maybe not, not a lot, let's say, because I was the same way when I first started working in London and started to make money for the the first time in my life, I always had to have hundreds of dollars in cash. Even though it really made no sense, everything was credit cards, there was something about my psyche that needed a lot of cash all the time to feel like I'm good. I mean, and people would ask me, what do you need so much cash for? I'm like, well, you might lose a bet. It might be a ransom. Who knows? At least if I have cash, I can like operate. I can like negotiate. Yeah, well, what's that saying? With my, my guys, I would always cash is king, baby. So That's yeah, it. I mean, you know, but... Anyway, that's my story about Poland. I just thought when I was talking about Pedro going to Poland that it it, it kind of revoked those kind of great memories, tremendous memories, unbelievable, and how everything's changed and the world changes so fast. Um, and It's kind of uh, sad the way it changes. I loved it when there was no internet and places like I think like the people Bangkok, in Poland are glad that it's not communist anymore. I, I, that, I agree, that, but that when... Maybe. But yes, hundred percent. But there yeah. was something so exotic. I remember going to Bangkok in like two thousand, and it was just like seeing Indiana Jones and just having all these romantic oh images of Saudi Arabia and 
Bangkok. Now I feel like with the internet, you, you oh, you want to go to the you want to go to you want to go to Jeddah. You can the pull up a real time small. camera. That's but to, to your point about going to Poland, I love the story when you trained Pavetkin in Russia. We told that story on an early episode. But the one last thing I want to say is when I, I lived in London for two years in like 2000 to 2002, roughly, and I spent and I lived for a little bit in Hong Kong. And when I think back on those times, I was very lucky. And I've told this story on on other interviews about I, I very quickly went from making no money to making money as a young guy and was frivolous and foolish with my money. But the one thing that I I did, well, that's why you're that giving would, good advice today and on the yeah, show and stuff. Yeah. The one thing that I would never change is when I took, I, I mean, at one point I went to every four seasons in Europe. When I lived in London, I'd be like, oh, there's a four seasons in Prague. I'm going there. I Those experiences in your life, I would never trade those experiences and those experiences in the places that I traveled. No, I listen to your point. I want to, I want to kind of um, jump on one thing where you talked about Four Seasons because a lot of people be out there saying, oh, Four Seasons, you know, he's staying at the Four Seasons. We oh, can't sure. oh, listen. But, but let splurged. me finish. Let me say, no, no, I know. It was a treat. Here's 100%. Here's the point. Hey, when you're poor like that, like you are, and you work your backside off and you get a chance to experience something like the Four Seasons, not, I'll tell you why it's great for a lot of reasons. For the obvious reasons, you get to go to a nice place. But it it gives you something to aim for. It, it lets you know what's out there. A lot of people that have never been to certain places, that have never been outside of, you know, very limited space, if you will, they don't know what's available out there. They don't. If they did, it might evoke something in them, ignite something in them to inspire them to push a little bit more if they knew what was out there. Really, like in old days in the You're communist countries, they were, Teddy. you know, with the That's state right. media, they were never allowed to know what America really was. So people people wouldn't aspire for more. They they wouldn't, they you know, obviously they wouldn't revolt, but they wouldn't rebel, but they wouldn't aspire to be better than just sitting on a, you know, sitting on a conveyor belt, you know, all day long, you know, putting a screw on top of a screw you know yeah. uh and then when they started to realize what was available all of a sudden these people that a lot of people unfortunately would mark as being not smart and they found out it wasn't that they weren't smart they had no inspiration to want to be smart they 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 had nothing to aspire to and that's that's and terrible no opportunity and no opportunity and and no not only opportunity, no realization of what was there to aspire towards, to to reach towards, to to dig down inside yourself and say, I want that. I want to go to the Four Seasons. I want to stay in the Four Seasons. I, I want to go to America. I want to be on TV. I want to be able to have a radio. I want to be able to have a TV. Uh, once they see that, then it... Again, it ignites something in us, something so special, something so important, just the desire to grow, the desire to be more, the desire to, to just go out there and explore, explore the universe. Where can I go? And by exploring, you find things. You find things about yourself. And, and that's why it was so important for these Iron Curtain countries, you know, to come down for so people, humanity could have a chance to really 
reach their peak, the peak that God meant for everybody, that, that was meant for everyone to, to be the best you can be. But you have to be aware of what's there. You know, and a lot of times, even nowadays, there's people that, that grow up in, in certain ways, in certain areas that they, they, are, they are not aware. And if they were aware, I always wonder, would that inspire them more? Would that, again, evoke Well, I think that's something? what the internet has done, is opened up the world to a lot of people to see what people are doing everywhere. But just one quick thing to your point, so everyone's clear. I grew up on welfare and food stamps. My mother would send me to the supermarket with food stamps to buy milk. Can you imagine, even as a kid, I had no point of reference, but I remember being mortified and thinking, how could you even accept this? I don't even want it. I'd rather have nothing. I'll drink water than use these food stamps. So when I started making money, I, I treated myself and I was like, and I spent it frivolously, but I wanted to have everything that I felt like I was missing. And my grandmother would say to me, why do you have to fly in first class? And I said, because I grew up in the back of the bus and i'm done with it and now i have the means to say 100 and i'm gonna do it and i earned it you earned it and again to the point of the four seasons once you knew that was there it made you work harder to go there like yep. like you because you got to know what you're missing if you if a person don't know what they're missing they 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 might not they might not hit on all cylinders. That's right. To to go there, but once you know, yeah, I want to stay the four seasons. I got to work harder. I got to work because I want to stay there. That story you just told is like the Cinderella Man. You know, it's uh that movie. That's that that's a great movie about you know James Braddock. True story about he became heavyweight champ of the world. He he beat Max Bear. He was a big underdog. They were afraid to even make the fight. It was kind of like Holyfield and Tyson. Some people thought Holyfield would get killed uh, at that point in his career. You know, and people thought that 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 James Braddock would get killed in this fight against Max Bear, who actually killed a man in the ring. He was a big right hand puncher, very crude, but but big, big, big puncher. And Braddock was on welfare. Um, and then he gets the shot. You know, home relief, they called it back in those days, I believe. And then he gets his shot to fight for the title and changes his whole life. And it's a great scene in there. Russell Crowe plays him where after he wins the title, he goes back to the to the welfare office and they're looking at him like, what are you, what are you, what are you here for? Are you here to get something? No, I'm here to give something. And he brought back the money that was given to him by the government when he was, you know, on the, on the, you know, basically on the seat of his pants, um, and he had nothing, uh, he 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 went and gave it back. Um, I I tell you that kind of pride, uh, that with those kind of people, forget about that. It made him heavyweight champ of the world, but that's what made this country so great, where we've been able to do the things we've done. When you think about in a short period of time, really, when you talk about the history of countries and the history of the world um where this country has come from and what it's accomplished with those kind of people and those kind of attitudes i'm you know it's anyway i'm sorry i got in on a tangent but i'm not sorry because i i know that we're talking to people we're sitting at the table and we're talking to our family we're talking to our friends that's and right talk, and we're talking life and um so uh the the final thing I I would maybe make a little mention of before we uh, 
start unpacking what we have to unpack. And we have a lot to unpack because the last couple of weeks were really slow uh, as far as boxing or UFC, really slow. But we, we still put shows out there for the people and we still, we still cared about putting shows out there. And I think putting out things that the fans appreciate that we still put it out there even on a slow week. But this week, boxing came back. And uh, we we have a lot of fights to talk about, a lot of action, as I said, to unpack. I, w- I want to give a quick mention. My son is flying in tonight, actually, on a red eye. I get in tomorrow morning, so that means I have to get up early. Got to see my son. And right now, I know a lot of people say to me, Daddy, what, what's your son doing after, you know, he... Everybody got let go there at the Raiders when they brought the new crew in from from your area, from New England. They brought in the, the new GM and the new coach, McDaniel and all those guys. And then they let my son and everybody go while well, he's been waiting for the right spot to, to be with a team to get back in his position of director of scouting. He's taking a job with the NFA, NFL Players Association doing scouting for them. So that's good. He's uh, he's doing that. But also, what he's doing is something I never pushed him to do, to be honest. It's, I don't know. I'm not saying I pushed him away from it, but maybe I did in some ways. I don't know. My, my I hope sports, you did. My, my sports are <laughs> tough sport. My tough sports are my tough sport. And he's in a tough sport in the NFL. But I... I I taught him how to box a little bit when he was younger and all, but I never really pushed him or let him really. And he wanted to get into boxing more and be a boxer and all that stuff. What do you What do you expect? He was my son, but he got into the NFL. Was he's had a great career. He's doing great. He's got a great family. He's got a great son. Um, but now there's 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 a promoter, uh, up and coming younger promoter. Uh, Dimitri Salida, Salida from uh, Dimitri Salida from Brooklyn was a fighter, and he's also now, like I said, he's an up and coming promoter. He's, he's been on the rise. He has Clarissa Shields, the best woman's fighter in the world. We'll talk about her fight later. But and he's got other fighters, and he's doing a lot of stuff with Showbox and with Showtime. And as I as I said, he's moving He's moving up the ranks of promoter. And what I like about him, to be honest with you, is that unlike the power brokers, the couple of power brokers that are out there, other than De La Hoya, but the other power brokers, they're wealthy, powerful men that have never fought. And they can never truly feel the, have really the right, I don't know, empathy for what a fighter's struggle is. When they're coming up, I'm not talking about when you Mayweather, God bless you, and you work your backside off and you get to the point where you're making zillions of dollars. I'm talking about the guys that are fighting for $400, you know, $500, $600 in a four-rounder, in a six-round swing fight, and they're trying to go up the ladder. And these guys, again, they, they really can't feel that. A guy like Dimitri Salida can feel it. So I'm hopeful he's going to become a really big-time promoter. Um, he's on his way, but... I trust him. I would not let my son work with anyone I don't trust. So long story short, my son's coming in to help Salida. Um, he's got a show in Atlantic City uh, this this Friday, um, and it's it's at the Bally's at the Bally's Casino in Atlantic City. And my son's coming I in. I hear through gonna, the grapevine there might be a guest appearance by I don't the know. voice of Combat I don't know. Sports. I don't go to fights unless I'm working. Everyone knows that. 
they always ask me, Teddy, we're going to see you? No, no. I heard through the grapevine that someone might be there, and I said, wow, he must he must really love his son if he's going to AC well, for I a do. fight on a Friday. I might. I might. I'm, I <laughs> might. I'm not committed sarcasm. yet. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I might. I might for him. But he's he's working with that show with them on Friday night, as you just said, uh, in Atlantic City. Showbox, right? Showbox, yeah. And and listen, you know, it, it's it's not these big glamorous shows that are out there, out there on HBO and stuff. Where well, you, uh, but, Ted, but, Ted but, when's but, the no, last no, time, last time someone thing. showed no, up but, and got to be but, on a pay per view? But like, here's they, the it thing. takes some time. Here's the thing. He's getting there. No, but he is getting there. But here's the thing. What also is not part of that scenario is he, you won't see a guy in just in a layup. You know, they're going to be competitive fights. And that's, that's what fans want. They're going to be, there's, there's going to be no layups. And yep. so you, the main event is a guy named Isaiah Steen, 16 and 0, 12 knockouts, super middleweight. He's fighting um, Senna Agbico. Ak- uh, who's 26 and two, 21 knockouts, and and again, it, it, this isn't a silver spoon show. You know, uh, they don't even get a wooden spoon, to be quite honest with you. Um, this this is a this is a good competitive fights where this is what a real you, boxing show looks well, like. Well, yeah, though. this we is the lifeline of boxing. This is the lifeline of boxing. Without this, you don't get the big shows because bingo. the the bingo because the fighters have to develop somewhere. Somewhere, and this is where they develop to get to that place. That place you this hope to get, like, like you go to four seasons, like you go to four seasons where you work your backside off and you hope you can get to four seasons. Well, these guys work their back and they hope they can get to the next plateau. And yep. they, and and again, the good news is a couple of things. One, you're not paying a zillion dollars. You're not paying a thousand dollars for a seat. Five hundred dollars for a seat. It's forty dollars. I think that's the starting ticket. Forty dollars. The show starts at seven o'clock. Again, it's um, at Bally's on Friday. Listen, would I promote this if my son wasn't involved? No. But would I promote it if I didn't think Salida was a decent human being the way I just described him? No. Well, no Teddy to Jr. Both. wouldn't be working with anyone well, in boxing he if be. he wasn't a good person. No, no, he would not. I would not have allowed that to happen. A hundred percent. So that speaks volumes right there. I think that tells it all. So anyway, there's also an eight-round uh, undefeated heavyweights uh, on, on that card too. So uh, if you guys and listen, I don't know. I, I actually, my son saw the tweet I put up to help him a little bit, and he said, "Dad," he goes, "You're not coming, are you?" And he goes, I'm not asking you to come. I said, no, I know that, bud. And he said, but that, that's, I said, no, I said, listen, if you're there, <laughs> I might be there. I don't know. I, I don't know. And of course, you know, it'd be great because the fans would come up to me and they say, hey, you, you, um, you work with Ken, right? And I say, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And, and and could could we get an autograph? Can, can you can you? I said I'm. I if I was driving, I can't give an autograph. I can't give an autograph in Ken's signature. I, that I, I have to draw a line. I care a lot about Ken. I do everything I can for him, but I I got to draw a line somewhere. I I can't sign his. His signature. That I can't do. <laughs> but you can um, get it on November 17th on a Thursday before Thanksgiving 
on Staten Island at the Dr. Atlas dinner. You come there, you get an autograph from both of us. Um, there'll be tons of uh, huge boxing uh, royalty will be there, just a who's who in the boxing game. And also there'll be a live uh, a silent auction with tons of awesome sports paraphernalia. So please come to the dinner. We'll see you there. Teddy, we've, we're 40 minutes in and we've got a lot of fights to get to. So some of them we're going to have to hit quickly. So we're not doing a four hour episode, but, um, you want to mm-hmm. be okay. If, if we start with the, uh, Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall fight. Yeah. Listen, Shields Marshall. Um, first thing that struck me, I did a lot of tweeting. I'm sure you saw some of the tweets. Um, yep. I, you know, I got my guys, Brennan Wood and, Ian Mackey and Rob Moore. And here's the great thing about my Twitter team. I, I can't believe it. I never thought I'd have Teddy would have a Twitter team. But I do. I have a Twitter team, all right? They're not the Globetrotters, but they, they have a Twitter team. They're great. And I, I, can't, I still can't believe I have one. And they're like a tag team. They're like a, a primetime tag team because when one guy can do it, the next guy tags him, bang! That guy is in. He's doing it. And this. This one, Brennan Wood, uh, everyone else was busy doing a little stuff. They're always trying, and Brennan jumped in. So we started in the afternoon, um, what, 6 o'clock, quarter to 6, from from uh, across the pond, the fight, and then we went, and then later in the night, at midnight, uh, per usual with these pay-per-view events, we were doing Wilder and all those other fights. So... Again, my guys, hey, thank one, you. One, one quick they, thing before you, you set you, up. You're not the only one who does marathons. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> my Twitter guys could do, could keep up with you in a marathon any day because, oh, like the I best. said, we're, we're all day those, long doing tweeting. Tweeting until 12 at night. But before you, um, before you get into the, the women's fight, I just wanted to very quickly... Um, Shelby, every week, Shelby asks me how you're doing. So she just walked by, and I just flagged her down to come in here. So she's going to say hello to you and hello to Rob. And uh, she's been dying to, to see how you're doing. So hold on. Come on in. Hey, long time no see. Hi, Shelby. How you doing? You're like an old friend that I haven't seen in a long, long time. Yeah, it's been. I hear the dog. The dog misses me too. I hear him barking. You know. Do you know how much Ken I, loves the dog? Yeah, she thinks I, I'm, I'm in danger. Well, she Ken's hears me talking. She's there. Person She's my protector. And, uh, animal person, and uh, I'm sure they love him too. Um, but it's great seeing you. And uh, how do you like to show? How do you? How do you? How do you like to show? It I know that's us. tough to put you in that position. Bang. No, it's not tough to put me in the position. So I always loved boxing since I was like two. And then I met, Ken. I didn't know anything about it, but I used to watch it with my dad, apparently in front of the TV. So then Ken got me into it. And we dated and I knew who you've been for a long time. And then of course I got to get to know you when you guys were at training camp. I got to know you yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that was bit. great. That um, was great. And the best, my the favorite film. part, just cause I don't get so into the technical part, but the best part to me of the show is how you guys relate it all back to life. Do you know uh, what I mean? These are not uh, just boxing lessons, but it li- it's life lessons. And I think that's, I don't think I'm alone. And that's what is very uh, popular about the show is that you guys make it that many of us are not in the ring boxing, but we're in the ring of life. And that's what you guys always relate 100%. it to. So yeah, it, it's, no, I'm it's glad, awesome. I'm glad it, it strikes you that way and comes across that way. That verifies what, you know, we would hope it just validates what I would hope that we could accomplish here, that connected dots with life, with the fight yeah. of everybody. Everyone's fighting for something. It's just a matter of what are they fighting for. But they're in a fight. They're in a struggle at some point. And um, hopefully we can connect with all those people in that kind of way. And 
you're his better half, and thank you. Um, you're a lot better looking than him. Um, you're, you both have good personalities. Yours is a little better um but mine's a little more stable a little more stable a little more stable we'll probably stop right there because this could go downhill very quickly but <laughs> no i'm um, lucky to have him i'm uh, lucky to have no, him. we are too and <laughs> and the fans love him and the only thing i i was saying shelby that i i draw a line i go to fights sometimes and people say you work with ken i said yeah I, I do but where i draw the line is i will not sign an autograph uh in his name i i just <laughs> That that's where it shows I have a lot of restraint. Shows that, a lot of restraint. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's great. You got a beautiful family, beautiful children. Thank and, you. And um, it's really nice seeing you. They give Here's my the best dog. to all the kids. The dog came to see you too, Teddy. Oh she hi. Uh, met well, you formally, but she's heard a lot about you. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Hi, what's his name? The dog. Oh, it's she, Edna. Oh, Edna. Edna. It's, a, it's a girl dog. Hi, yeah. Edna. Hi, hi, Edna. Okay. <laughs> All right. Great to see you, Teddy. Great seeing you, Shelby. And hi, Thank you. Rob. I know you're there in producer land. <laughs> Thank you for stopping by. Good to see you. Good Thank see you, Teddy. You. That was great. All right, Ken, we don't need you now. Um, <laughs> that, all right, this is a little bit of a down uh, moment. You know, we, we have to adjust now. You have to adjust now back <laughs> and to, to, you know, getting... Yeah, you got lifted up a little bit. Now we got to yep. stabilize a little. But let's get to Shields Marshall. We yep, got a lot to unpack. Cool. Uh, yep. First thing that struck me was the crowd. I mean, where are you going to get that crowd? The Brits over across the pond. They come out for their fighters. Now look, I gotta be. I got full. I gotta. Be, I gotta be. You know, always honest. And I was about to start this by saying. You never get that over here. But you did get it. At Madison Square Garden four or five months ago, you you got it with Katie Taylor and, and, and Serrano. Serrano, yeah. Unbelievable. Was a, Unbelievable. But, I was there and but it, it was, was electric. Unreal. Unreal crowd. Unreal atmosphere. An unreal fight. Unreal fight. Unbelievable but fight. It's very rare you could, you could kind of, you could get all those elements and, and get that kind of crowd. But... The Brits do it on a more regular basis. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, I, I'm never shocked anymore to to turn on a fight across there, across the pond, and see that the arena, a, a stadium is packed. I mean, uh, you know, good for the Brits, good for the fans. It was a good fight. Two of the best fighters in the world right now. And I think Shields, no doubt, is the best women's fighter in the world now. Maybe one of the best of all, definitely one of the best of all time. Maybe the greatest Olympic women's Olympic fighter, two-time gold medalist. I actually called her fights, uh, her first gold medal, uh, definitely when I was over there uh, covering for NBC doing the Olympics and the women's became part of it um, for the first time. I, I covered her fights, but she uh, she's definitely in the, in the list of greatest fighters Probably ever. I mean, the, with that list is Chrissy Martin, you know, who we had on this show uh, promoting her book um, where she overcame so much. Layla Ali, I, I caught a bunch of fights on ESPN on her way up. Uh, and, and some might even throw in Ann Wolf in there where, you know, people have heard about her. Real strong woman's fighter, tough, but and became a trainer actually for some fighters. But... I uh, right now she's the dominant woman's fighter and 
Shields fought Marshall. It was a big deal because Marshall had beaten her in amateurs. And, but this ain't the amateurs. And what I mean by that is Marshall's long, she's tall, and she's perfect for the amateurs. She, she's a great pro fighter too. But the rules in the amateurs, the judges in the amateurs, besides being crooked and corrupt a lot of times, but when they're not, <laughs> they, they, they kind of like um, fencing. Um, you know, like with the sword, where you stay on the outside and you fence, where if you're long and you're tall, it it really suits you in the amateur scoring, where you can, you know, you can just peck and poke, and, and you can pick your spine, you stay on the outside and you get points, and and you're not really landing clean, you're pecking and poking, you're, you know, you're popping here and there, and you're on the outside, you got the edge, it's three rounds, bang, it's over, you're the winner. So I could see that happen with Shields and Marshall having the edge in the amateurs, but this is different. Now it's 10 rounds, and the pros are about who lands the cleaner, more decisive, damaging punches. And all night long, that was Shields. This is the best performance. You know what? I'm going to correct myself. I was just about to say this is going to this is the best performance I've ever seen Shields in her life and she's had a hell of a career. A hell of a career. I just I just went over it, right? But I'm going to add to it. I think this might be the best woman's performance I've ever seen ever. And I've seen great ones. I I mean I've seen Chrissy Martin, I've seen I I've seen Layla Ali, all of them. And Wolf, I mean perform magnificently and on ESPN for 18 years doing Friday night fights I I saw women fights that nobody saw and I saw some good ones but she might that might be the most just brilliant performance an impressive performance by a woman fighter I've ever seen I mean, it didn't matter if she was a woman or man because, to me, if you didn't know, you would have thought this was a good male fighter. <laughs> really. Yeah, you would just said, I mean, because you're just looking at the skills and the skills were there. And here's what impressed me so much. She was fighting this, obviously, formative opponent who had beaten her in amateurs and she's fighting her in her home country, okay? And she's... Still got those physical assets and advantages of length, Marshall B and she, of length and height. And there's two ways to really deal with that, Ken. Um, you gotta have you gotta have a plan. But there's two ways to solve that problem. One is the old-fashioned, traditional way, the most used way. Go get them. Go get them. Just work your way inside. Go get them. Break down the body. Go get them. Or the way that's not as conventional, not as used, it's the counterpunch. To get the taller, longer fighter, whether a male or a woman, whatever it is, to give up those advantages, to give up some of their height where you can counter them, and now they're not tall. Now those problems are no longer problems. Well, Shields chose the latter. She got her to give up her height, and she counterpunched and put a clinic of counterpunching on all night long. She counted with right hands over the... Well, what do you want to do with a taller fighter? Ken, you know right away. Take away their jab. Take away their best weapon. Well, there's two ways to take away someone's jab. Use your own jab or 
counted with right hands. She counted with right hands. Now you're worried about jabbing because there's incoming. You might get hit while you jab. So now you're more tentative about using your best weapon. That's what she did to Marshall. She counted with right hands. The only correction I could make for the whole night for Shields that she could have straightened out that kind of right hand instead of looping it. Maybe maybe would have been a little bit more impactful if she straightened it instead of looping it as much as she did. Um, but she still landed it. She still took away the jab. It was efficient. It was effective. It did the job. Uh, again, she dominated. And, and Marshall was very game, very gritty, throwing a lot of punches. But there was only one person really landing the clean punches. That was Shields. Marshall was throwing. She was right there with her every step of the way. But Shields always got the better of it because she was landing the cleaner, just more concise telling punches and i thought the rounds were easy to score i turned the sound off full disclosure i turn it off right and and i watched the fight ken and then when it's over with i turn it back he's laughing i turn it back on right i love when you smile by the way so i <laughs> i i turn it back on and i i got a seven three for shields and I hear one of the common day. Oh, this is a close fight. This could go either way. Uh, you can't argue either way. Go. You know, I'm. I'm not. Listen, I'm not verbatim saying what they said, but basically that was uh, that was it. There, this is a close fight. You can't argue either way. You know, whoever gets it, uh, you really can. I. I don't have no argument. And and I, I'm like, are you kidding me? No, <laughs> it's not close. And the rounds were easier to score. There was one person winning the rounds. It's not close. Are you kidding me? And thankfully, I'm always on those judges, knocking the crap out of them when they deserve to get the crap knocked out. And a lot of, my, a lot of our fans say, Teddy, thank you, because you're doing what we wish we could do. You're trying to straighten them out. You're trying to make the sport better. You're trying to get rid of this crap. So I got to give... Bravo to Shields and to Marshall for both their efforts, but bravo to the judges. They got it right over across the pond where you got to worry in enemy territory, right? You got to worry the, the bias and everything else, and they got it right, and they made it unanimous. Now, I thought the scoring was a little closer than I had it, but it was unanimous. All three judges, one person, one, Shields. So as much as I crack the crap out of these judges when they deserve to have the crap cracked out of them. I'm, I'm, I also pat them on the back. I also build them up. I also say, hey, great job. And I'm saying it. Great job. Good job. Good job. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'll leave with something funny, Ken. Uh, you know my tweets. A lot of people read my tweets. And, um, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden I hear a few minutes later, after my tweet went up, because, you know, I put a tweet up there. Like, did I just hear that the commentator said this is close? I don't think it's close. And a lot of people responded to it. The fans were like, yeah, it's not close. So all of a sudden, a couple of minutes later, I hear the commentator. Um, I, I just want to clarify that I didn't think, I'm not saying that Shields didn't win. I'm not saying I don't think Shields won. I'm just, and I'm like, is it possible? Talk about a small world. You know, we were talking about earlier, right? Everything is available now on internet, blah, 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 right? Is it possible that somebody's reading? It's kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Has somebody been eating my partridge? Has somebody <laughs> been sitting in my chair? 
Has somebody, <laughs> there is somebody sleeping in the bed. It's Goldilocks. I was just wondering, could somebody be peeking at my tweets a little bit at ringside? No, I'm sure they're not. I'm sure that's crazy, Ken. I, I, I'm sure it's nuts. Um, but anyway, it was just ironic. It was coincidental that all of a sudden after I tweeted a few seconds later, minutes later, all of a sudden there was a little backtracking with the commentating of saying, no, I, I thought Shields won all of a sudden. So anyway, brilliant fight by Shields. Best fight, I uh, maybe the best fight I ever saw a woman fight. I mean, I've seen a lot of good ones. Just, I, I can't say, I can't say enough good things. I mean, it was just tremendous. Um, and both of those women, they not only fought like champions, they're both champions, but they behave like champions behave. And uh, that's my story, Ken. Well, Teddy, we're going to take a minute to give a shout out to our newest sponsor. And again, keeping with the tradition on this show, I've been drinking Olipop. When I started to like get into endurance sports and started getting myself healthy, I eliminated soda to the to the extent that I could from my diet. And when I found this Olipop, I just started drinking it. It's got botanicals, prebiotics, uh, plant fiber, basically only 35 calories. And to me, it tastes just as good as Coke, Diet Coke, any of the like mainstream food. Uh, soda companies but I love this stuff I started drinking it and they saw me drinking it on the show and they reached out and were like hey we see you like the Olipop can we send you some they sent me some we went back and forth I said I'd love to have you guys on board as our partners and they were like yeah you guys stand for everything we're for between the running and the healthy lifestyle and the fighters and, and, and fighters being in camp they were like we think that this is a perfect fit and we think your audience is going to respond to this and I really hope you guys do to the audience give these guys a try please olipop o-l-i-p-o-p if you go to their website olipop.com i think that's it rob will check as we're talking but um they'll give you 25 percent off if you use the promo code atlas honestly will you send will you send me a a case ken i'm gonna send a case to you because really I, i lost 30 pounds i want to keep going um I one of the things I really eliminated, you have to, was was regular soda, I'll be honest with you. Um it was a big deal. Eliminating soda it's not good for your regular soda. No. I mean Teddy. So, look, anything anything with you could take a commercial and you could take bolts that are that are rusty and you can unbolt them from the screw and the and a bolt and you <laughs> put it in a you put in a glass of Coca Cola and you come back two hours later and the rust is gone. <laughs> The rust is gone and the bolt is gone too. No, the bolt's still there, but it's loose. Uh, what is that doing to your stomach? So anyway, exactly. I eliminated soda. It helped me. I lost 30 pounds. That was part of it. I I have an urge to drink something other than water. So <laughs> that might be right up my alley, to be honest with you, Ken. And I yep. think up the alley of a lot of people that are t- listening to this right now. So yep. get me some of that stuff. A hundred percent. It's it's on the way. And by the way, you spoke of um, trying to lose weight. Coca-Cola has 39 grams of sugar in a full fat Coke. 
And this Olipop has between two and five grams of sugar, depending on the flavor that you choose. I like this. I like this tropical punch and they have grape, orange, mm. all, they have vintage cola, root beer. I, I genuinely love this stuff. I'm so happy to have them on board with us. And by the way, so are my children because we don't let them have soda typically, you know, as a mm. treat. But now they get to share one of these mm. each. They get, each get a half a can of That's soda at treat. dinner. Yeah. The plant fiber that's just got a ton of good stuff. So again, if um, the the Always bringing something is, healthy into to our world, Ken. We're yep. trying to bring something healthy mentally. The mental part is so important. We're trying to bring that to people. We're trying to help people in those areas and in the physical areas. So important. So important to try to be healthy so you live longer. It doesn't get more simple than that. So you live longer. What's that old saying? The body is your temple, right? And and you yep. uh, right and and you you you're supposed to you worship your, the uh, the body the temple you're supposed to take care of the body you, and if you take care of the body the body will take care of you um, I'll tell you one thing you don't want to be you don't want to be getting older and get sick a lot of times you could do a lot of things wrong when you're young and you know what the body the young body has a way of somehow getting through it. And, and being able to overcome it. But then you start getting older. And those things you put into your body, you start to pay a price for them. Yep. I, I, I hate to even say it, but like some people with diabetes, whatever. But you start to pay a price for it a little bit. So all I'm saying, I'm, I'm not preaching, maybe I am. But I'm just saying, hey, let's get healthy, baby. Let's get healthy. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. I'll sum it up like this. A rich man has a million problems. A sick man has one. Think about it. And listen, the website is drinkolipop.com slash atlas. D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P dot com slash atlas, A-T-L-A-S. Get 25% off. They tried to give me 20% off. I said that ain't going to do for our fight fans. I need 25. So you got it. 25% off. Give them a shot, guys. And um, with that... Let's talk about our man, George Cambosis. You talked about having heart. And I have to give Cambosis uh, a lot of credit for the heart he showed. But I have to tell you, I think Devin Haney might be one of my newest favorite fighters. He just, I, I thought he put on a clinic. I, I'm dying to hear your, uh, the technical analysis from, your, analysis from your perspective. But I just love the way Devin Haney fought. He's so tough. He's so dependable. He always seems in control. He always seems relaxed. And I'll tell you this and I hope Devin Haney's listen I love this kid he's handsome he's not out there talking crazy he's not responding to every negative tweet that someone says to him Devin please you have an opportunity you have an opportunity I'm sorry I have to say it just you gave me the perfect opening it's what I always talk about it's one thing to be able to fight like a champion and that's great that's great but it's another to be able to behave like one and that's even greater go ahead Ken I'm sorry to Devin, if he's listening, please like look at follow the path of a Sugar Ray Leonard. You're a handsome kid. You're a marketing dream. One of my favorite fighters Keep, of all time. All time. Think of Sugar yourself as your own business, your own brand, and think about the actions and the words you say going forward. Would would GM or Citibank or Coca Cola or Olipop want to do a deal? With you right now, I think the answer is yes. You keep doing what you're doing, and you're gonna have enough money to retire when you're done with this and never have to think about work again. 
Keep doing what you're doing. He's such a nice kid. At least oh, he, yes. from everything but having I've said, seen, I Having know. said all that, I want to see him with the big four. The big of course. three. The big three. Or whether, right it's, now, whether it's Ryan Garcia, whether it's Tank, whether, whether it's Lopez. No question. Uh, whether, whether it's, I don't want to miss anybody. I get yelled at. Uh, whether it's uh, Tank, Teofimo, Ryan Garcia. Um, uh, who am I missing? Oh, uh, Lomachenko, Lomachenko, Lomachenko. Loma he says, uh, he's another one. Any of them. He went down to Australia twice, took care of business with Cambosis. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume he does everything right. And I'll say for Cambosis, he won the title off Tiafimo Lopez, fought the fight of his life. I think he caught Tiafimo in a vulnerable position and he took advantage. All credit to Cambosis. I don't think that was the best uh, TO we've ever seen. However, to Cambosis' credit, he went right to the. He went right after the next best guy that I think one of the best in the in the division. He could have easily taken a cream puff in Australia and beat up a local guy. He just said, "Nope, give me the top guys." Behaving like a yep. champion, not just fighting like one. The whole story is just a feel good story. So take it away. Tell me how you like the performance by Haney and the heart by uh, Cambosis. What a yeah, beating he took! By the way, his face the, was yeah. a mess. The rematch. It's the rematch. Um, I picked Haney to win. Uh, obviously, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't like I'm the only guy doing that. Um, but I also had said on this show that Cambosis would be better. And he was. He was. Here's the problem. Haney was better. Huh. Much. Haney was, Haney was better. He looked great. And, and, and it speaks to what Customato always said to me, the old timers and, and my man Cus. He always said, Teddy, when a guy wins a world title, you know, I know he had the intern, but that wasn't the same. But when a guy wins the belts, and that's what Haney did to, in the first fight with Cambosis, it makes him 30% better. Bang. This was proof of that. For me, this is exhibit A for anyone who believes in that or wants to believe in or wants proof of that. He was 30% better. I mean, just in so many ways, more sure of himself. He... Uh, feeling like a champion you know fighting like like a champion just with a little bit more just a little bit more certainty a, a little higher level uh more consistency just like it was the glue that really just put it all together you know i always talk about people's talents being the stepping blocks of success the physical talents all that stuff but it's the mental part that's the cement that keeps those blocks in place so they don't fall. They don't come out of place. You can't just put bricks up and have a house. You got to put mortar. You got to put cement in between the bricks. And this was part of that cement and those bricks that he already had. There were good cinder blocks, you know, good solid blocks. But now he's got a little extra cement there. It showed. He controls range, he being Haney. He controls range beautifully. He puts combinations together with speed beautifully, accurately. He doesn't waste much. Uh, he's calculating, he's smart, he's cerebral. You know, he, he if you wait in front, he'll get off with a quick combination. If you try to come in, he could take a step back and counter, create counter. He, he's able to, only dimension I like to see him add is get more angles. Maybe, maybe. But... He's he's terrific going in and out, beating you to the punch. Um, what Cambosis 
He was better because he lifted his effort. He came out much more animated, much more aggressive, and he won the first round. But then it was downhill. Then it was downhill. But but he was game all night, Cambosis. All night. All night. You have to the those Australian people have to be proud of their champion. They have to be. He was game all night, gritty all night, but he's in there with a special guy, to your point. He's in there with a special guy. And he came to change things, Cambosis. There's no doubt about it. And the way he was gonna change it in his mind was be more aggressive and switch back and forth from Southport to all the docks. Try to confuse Haney a little bit. Try to get him off stride. Try to break up his rhythm because Haney gets into a rhythm. Try to break it up. He he knew what he was trying to do. It just didn't quite work. But but at least he had the idea that he had to come up with something different and he had to try it. He had to at, he had to execute it, and he did. He execu- He had to have a plan that was different than the first fight, and he he brought that plan, he executed, but again, this guy's special, and it wasn't enough, but it's enough for him to live the rest of his life knowing he gave it all, knowing that, and his people knowing that he gave it all, and he made them proud. And again, his trying to solve Haney was to come in more aggressive, switch back and forth, keep more balance, you know, switch it up, use his jab a little more. Um, what what he should have done a little bit more, the only way that you're going to beat him when he's faster than you, him being Haney, he wasn't going to beat him matching speed, obviously, right? You don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you that. It's timing. You have to time a guy that fast while he's punching. You got to sit in there, bang, bang, time him as he's punching. The timing can beat speed. He tried it wasn't quite able to get it to where he needed. And the other thing is, if Haney has any flaws, it's where his steps straight back sometimes from a little too close, a little bit, and he keeps his head up high, where it can be a target. It could be vulnerable. And his steps straight back, and if you step with him, you could you have a chance to catch him. That's what Camposas needed to do. That was his only chance. And he tried it. He did it once or twice. But he couldn't do it consistently enough. He just couldn't. He couldn't. And um, at the end of the day, uh, Haney was, you know, he was he was pretty. I mean, don't get crazy out there. People, Teddy's corner fighter pretty. Yeah, he was pretty. There's not, it's not feminine. It's just a compliment that he's, he's, he's nice to watch. I mean, watching him is like, going to the, I don't know, the Philadelphia uh, um, uh, concert of uh, Philharmonica where, I, I'm sorry, I should have named the Boston one. I'm sorry, Ken. But <laughs> but they have a good Philharmonic. Uh, uh, what was it called? Philharmonica? Philharmonic. Uh, yeah, Philharmonic. And it's like... I believe so. Yeah, no, no, I think that's it, but it's good enough for me. Um it's like watching a concert where everything is in sync, where the string section, the the horns, the this that, everything has just got a certain, um, just just a flow to it. He's got a flow to him. He's just got a rhythm of flow. And again, you go to the, you go to see a concert and you see that kind of orchestra. And you look at it, it catches your eye. You look at him, it catches your eye. It's just pretty to see. It really is. To see executed 
the way he executed. He is a classical boxer. He is a classical boxer. Technically, he's a technician, but he puts sweet music to it. Some technicians don't put sweet music to it. He puts sweet music to it. He is, he's, again, he, he's, he's like watching a great pitcher at a baseball game that's, that's got it all working. He's changing speeds. He's hitting the corners. You know, every once in a while he sneaks in a fastball. Then he goes to a curve. Then he goes to a changeup. I, I, I mean, it, it's magnificent. And you look and you say, wow, this guy's in control. When he's right, he's in control. He, it's impressive. It's impressive. I, I don't have any more need to see him fight anybody but the, but the big four, the ones I mentioned already. The big four or the big five, I guess, if you're with Haney, right? So it'll be five, whatever it is. But um, he, uh, I, I applaud him for his, his ability and, and his class, the way he conducted himself afterwards, the way that you would hope a champion would and doesn't always, but he does. He's a sharpshooter. He's a sharpshooter. Um, listen, I put the sound off again, Ken. Full disclosure. I had the sound off. All right? Okay. But I saw captions. They put up graphics. Now, I didn't hear it. You're going to help me with this, Ken. I just saw what I saw. And all of a sudden, a graphic, I guess, you know, they're trying to produce the show. They're trying to give you all the bells and whistles, all that stuff. It became a one-sided fight. So even though... Even though it's a one-sided, almost competitive fight because Cambosis is always in there, always in there, always in there, trying, trying, trying. Haney almost stopped him late in the fight. What was the 10th round? He almost, I thought he was, could stop him if he placed a good body shot uh, in there. He might have froze him up and then maybe stopped him. But the only thing Haney's missing is power. That's it. It's not a knock. It's just the only thing. He doesn't have that TNT power. But he's got everything else. And... And that 10th, I think it was the 10th round where Kambosis was really in trouble. Again, if he was a punch, he probably gets around uh, there. But the only thing that kept Kambosis around was the lack of power at that point from Haney, but also the heart, just the heart and will of Kambosis not to be, not to submit, not to be taken out. And so to speak to Cambosis, and I'm trying to give him as much credit as he deserves too, to speak to him, all I need to say is after taking, you know, the punishment he did, he wins the last round. He goes out there and wins the last round. Now, part of it's because Haney went into prevent defense, which can be dangerous. Like in the NFL, they say prevent defense prevents you from winning sometimes. Because now if a team that couldn't go down the field. Now you're giving them a cushion. You're laying off. You're letting them go down the field. Same thing can happen in boxing sometimes, but it didn't happen. And um, but he went into a little prevent defense. Haney and, and but Camposas just kept doing what he does. He kept coming. He kept coming. Kept trying. And he won the last round. Um, so I think I had a ten two. By the way, I saw afterwards one of my tweets. I said I had it eleven two. Um, for those out there that want to, yeah, I didn't do get good math. Okay, uh, okay, I didn't do great. I mean, I did okay, but not great. I mean, eleven two. Uh, I, I think I I was probably making a mistake there, um, but I think I had a ten two for Haney, and the the thing. The thing 
is with Haney. Um, or, or the thing that I, I was starting to make a point about was I turn the sound off and I see a graphic and starts talking about how many clinches Haney initiates in a fight. And the first thing I said to myself was he's fighting a magnificent fight. He's boxing beautifully. He's schooling us all, teaching us all, you know, how to box. And they're putting that up like a negative. Uh, you heard it. I didn't hear it. But they're putting that up. Like to me, to me, it, it lent itself that they were trying to say he, he clinches too much. He might not, he might be boring sometimes. He doesn't need to, whatever. But it seemed to, be a little negative. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but when I saw it, I was like, what has this got to do with the price of tea in China? Really, what has this got to do with what's going on? The guy, he doesn't hide from what he is. He's a boxer. He's an elite boxer who's going to beat you on the outside. He's not going to go, he, he's not going to go into the trenches if he don't have to. If he has to, he will. But if he gets his druthers, he's going to stay on the outside and he's going to beat the druthers out of you. He's, he's going to control, he's going to control range, distance, he's going to counter, he's going to get off, you know, um, he's going to put beautiful combinations together. But if you don't have to go into the dungeon, he's not going to go into the dungeon. And he's smart. If he's got a guy in front of him like he did, Cambosis, and Cambosis' only chance is to get in close and, and win, why should he give him that chance? Dominate on the outside. If you do get close, tie him up. And I'll tell you another thing. Don't knock him for it. He's being smart. Are you knocking Tom Brady for sitting in the pocket? I don't see them put a grab. Tom Brady sits in the pocket 99 and 9 tenths percent of the time. Uh, yeah, that's what he does. That, that's where he gets the most out of his talent. That's where he's most comfortable. That's where he can be the best. Yeah, he, he, he's not Mahomes. Yeah, that's what he does. So you, are you knocking him for that? No. Well, this is what Haney does. Yeah. Yeah, he, he clinches when you get close if he needs to clinch. He fights on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was the point to that? Like, just to get another bell and whistle, another graphic, another, to try to, you know, to smother you with more stuff because they didn't think the fight was moving around enough or, or whatever, so they hit you with more of that stuff? It's overproduced. You don't need to do that sometimes. Just let the fight fight. And, and hopefully the commentators say, you know, what needs to be said. But, uh, all, again, I took it as like they're taking a little knock at him, like he's clinching. First of all, I'd say another thing that I would have said if I was doing the commentating that, and I didn't hear it, but maybe they did say it. it takes two to tangle. It takes two to clinch. Um, you're knocking him uh, for clinching? Well, then go knock Cambosis for letting him clinch because he can't clinch if Cambosis doesn't allow him to. You know, there's always an option, always an alternative, always a way out, always a counter. Guy tries to tie you up, step back, push him off. Rotate your shoulders. Create room. Don't don't accept the clinch. You know, don't cooperate with the clinch. So you could knock you could knock him the other guy if you want. I wouldn't knock anyone. But I'm just making a point here. You know, he his you're fighting a guy whose only chance to win Cambosis would be on the inside. You're gonna give him that chance when you know you he can't beat you on the outside. Why would you do that? Why would you knock a guy? Why would you put a graphic on? I just took it as like, 
I guess I'm defending Haney. I'm always defending fighters. Not that he needs me to defend him. But if that was towards a negative, I don't see it. I don't agree. Because there was nothing negative in that freaking ring by their behavior, by their fighting, by anything. Uh, you know, anyway, at the end of the day, uh, just, you know, just a great, great performance by him. What did you? What do you think, Ken? Oh, I, I loved Evan Haney, and one thing that he um, he seemed to do well was manage all the um, challenges that come with fighting half a world away. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was drinking athletic greens every day before he was uh, before or after his training. If you're traveling, these travel packs from Athletic Greens are invaluable. Please go to athleticgreens.com. Use the promo code Atlas for ten free travel packs with your first purchase. They've been with us from the beginning. Athletic Greens, super easy to drink. I mix it in a, in a little bit of water right after I'm done working out every single morning. No, no matter what, I never miss. I take them everywhere. Made with 75 whole food source ingredients. You can't go wrong. Again, I can't stress enough, especially when you're traveling, your immune system takes a beating. Athletic Greens is like an insurance policy for your body's health and immune system. So, Please try Athletic Greens. Support the show. Support yourself. Win-win, baby. And subscribe, baby. Subscribe. Will you please, people out there, I love yous. We love you. You're you're listening like heck. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, you're out there listening. I I get people calling, Teddy, we love the podcast. We love it. The first thing I say, are you subscribed? Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, uh, if you're no, watching I, on YouTube, take uh, a minute and hit the subscribe then, button. And if you're going to try Athletic Greens, try their subscription service. Give them three months. See what you think. I promise you this stuff is going to give you a boost in energy. If nothing else, no matter what your diet is, Athletic Greens will make sure you're getting all the vitamins and minerals you need. Vit- uh, fruits and vegetables are nature's vitamins, and this product is sourced 100% from all natural foods. You can't go wrong. Athleticgreens.com slash Atlas. Teddy, let's talk about the um, one of the undercard fights from the Wilder fight. Um, Gary Russell and Emmanuel Rodriguez. Strange thing. I got I to gotta say one thing. You ever see that show Twilight Zone? You, of course you of did. Course. Twilight Zone. You ever see the one Out of Limits? Don't change your channel. Don't try to touch <laughs> your channel. Yeah. You are now in the Out of Limits. It's a li- things seem crazy. It's okay. Well, you know what? There was some crazy stuff in that fight. It got a little Twilight Zone ish. It got a little Out of Limits ish. Whatever word that is. Um. It got a little bit strange and and just a little crazy in that fight. You had undefeated Russell, and it's he's the house fighter, you know, he's he's with PBC with uh, Al Heyman, the man, and he does a great job for his fighters. I tell you, if some people don't like him, they hate him, but I'll tell you, he makes his fighters, uh, he takes care of his fighters, they're all, they're all rich. The, most of them, anyway. You know, he does the round robin. He does the musical chairs where he circulates his guys again with only his guys, and it it keeps him from sometimes fighting other guys that could make great fights. But he's no different than the rest of the promoters. Aram, you know, any of them, Warren, uh, you know, Hearn, they, they all... 
obviously they don't want to go across the street unless there's a zillion dollars in it and let their guy fight the other guy's fighter. So they always keep it in-house. And sometimes, again, you, it's it's like getting um, recirculated air. You know, you're getting the same fights. You're getting them fighting only guys in his stable. And you want to see some of these guys fight outside it a little bit. But it happens once in a while. Not enough. But you can't knock Heyman and for taking care of his fighters because they even when they lose he brings them back he gets them a payday he stood by that Brona who's a mess uh god help him i hope he's okay you know he's having a lot of issues mental health um he's a talented kid who just was a mess um can't say it any more succinctly than that and but he stayed with Brona kept giving him paydays kept maybe it wasn't the best thing really at the end of the day maybe should have got some professional help. Hey, who knows? Maybe he tried to get him professional help and, and he wouldn't get it. But he does he does a lot for his fighters. Undefeated Russell, beaten by Rodriguez. Um, I was listening to this one. I had the sound on, by the way. And the commentator said that Rodriguez was imposing his will on Russell. But as I'm watching him say, no, 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 no. Russell's trying to impose his will on Rodriguez. He's coming forward. He's trying to come in and trying to be, you know, physically get close. Rodriguez is doing a magnificent job standing on the outside, controlling range and counterpunching. And if there was any imposing going on, like I said, Russell was trying to impose his will on Rodriguez, but he wasn't able to. He couldn't get there. Rodriguez wouldn't let him. He stayed on the outside, he counted to Southpaw Russell, and he used what I always talk about, the Southpaw killer, the right hands. And if there was any imposing going on, I, I would have said, instead of saying Russell's trying to impose his will, I would have said, no, Rodriguez is imposing his right hand on the chin of Russell all night long. Scored a beautiful knockdown in the eighth round and then the ha clash of heads in the ninth, which is exactly what happened a year ago in 2021. Uh, 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 accidental headbutt went to a no contest. This time after the headbutt, they went to the um, sc the scorecards and coincidentally, Rodriguez won by a wide margin, but he also just had the knockdown. And I almost wonder if strategically, if Rodriguez was saying like, I can't see, knowing they're going to go to the scorecards and knowing he's up handedly and handing Gary Russell's no, first no, loss. You know what the thing, Ken? It got me scared. The first thing you think being in this business is, is there funny business going on? Mm -hmm. You start to say, because Rodriguez exactly was dominating, yeah, dominating the fight all night, Ken, landing right hands, counter-punching, controlling range, really dominating. Then in the eighth round, he drops him with a beautiful, beautiful. counter right hand. Beautiful. So pretty. Textbook. That's the way you draw it up. That's the way you teach it. And and then it was just before the bell, so the bell saves him. And there's no clock. There's no. There's nothing but Poor confusion. Teddy, what it was, was the but, ref doing? It was crazy. But well, the referee, the re referee. First of all, he went to the corner. I think the corner was confused. I I don't know if the corner very confusing. It's, it sounded like the corner thought the fight was stopped, maybe because. All of a sudden, you hear Benji Estevez, I think, was the ref. You hear a good ref, been around a long time. Uh, I know when he started, when he started in the amateurs, and that's a long time ago. He, a good guy, all of a sudden, you hear him saying to the corner, 
Give him his minute rest. Give him his minute rest. And I'm saying, why does he have to tell him that? What's going on? So it was almost as though the corner thought the fight had been stopped. And yep. he's telling him, no, give him a minute rest. So anyway, all this chaos is going on. There's no clock on the television to tell us, you know, that the round ended and, what, and whatever. And so all this chaos going on. And one of the commentators... And I give credit to the commentators. They didn't do cheerleading. I don't need the pom-poms. They're saving you guys, the fans, from the pom-poms. You're not going to have to see the who, pom-poms. Who was on this call? Was it Brian uh, Kenny? Yeah. But, but, he's the but best. To, but I, I love his, Brian Kenny. Well, he's my guy. But to his credit, to his credit, he, he didn't do the cheerleading thing. And like they do in some of these other places. So, so again, he saves the fans from seeing my pom-poms today. Uh, he, he just did a broadcast. And, you know, he didn't try to favor the house fighter, which, which just drives me crazy. It drives fans crazy, by the way. They hate it. Drives and me crazy. So, so here you are. And one of the commentators said, I don't know if it was Lennox Lewis. I'm not sure. But one of the commentators says, um, I think... The I heard the referee count 10. Well, if you heard him count 10, the fight's over. So he said, I think I heard him count 10 and the fight should be over. He said that. And then uh, I think Brian jumped in and you could see that he had gotten up before 10. So no, it shouldn't have been stopped because he did get up around eight, whatever it was. He got up before that. But clearly beat the count. Yeah, he beat the count, but it's the to the point the commentator thought he heard him count to 10 which would mean the fight's over so maybe that's what the corner heard and maybe that's why the corner was in disarray and so confused that they thought the fight was stopped and that he was telling him give him a minute rest give him a minute rest give him a minute rest so here's the bottom line why didn't anybody tell us why didn't the truck say to the commentators hey guys you put a we're putting a clock on this he's getting two minute rest he's getting a minute and a half that was more than a minute rest would you agree ken there's no yes, way of course there's no way that was close to him he got russell got more than a minute to recover and nobody made a point of that and again they missed the production of that somebody in the truck should have ran a clock immediately and said okay he's got a minute and a half now instead of a minute he's got a minute 40 seconds now what's going on here but nobody ran a clock nobody brought that up i wanted to know how much extra time did russell get because he got extra time and then again to your point to my point it started you can't help but be cynical sometimes in this sport where people started thinking wait a minute what are they doing are they helping the house what are they doing what are they, are they just maybe they're just screwed up and it's chaos but it started to look like funny business even if it wasn't it started to look anyway at the end of the day the next round what happens you get a terrible head clash rodriguez gets the worst of it and then uh they they go to the corner he gets now russell gets more time because he wasn't fully recovered he gets more time to recover now you know from the knockdown and um and then eventually they let the fight go and then they stop it. And then a lot of confusion, a lot of, a lot of Twilight Zone stuff. And then eventually the doctor says, no, Rodriguez can't continue. And they go to the scorecard. And that made me nervous. Oh, my God, what are they going to do to this kid? And, um, and then they go to the scorecards and Rodriguez wins the fight. And, you know, I thought the, I, Teddy, I thought the opposite. I thought Rodriguez was telling him, like, I just got a knockdown. I've been controlling this fight. Screw I'm it. I'm not I don't saying he didn't say that. But, I look, I 
thought that maybe Rodriguez should have been allowed to go on because he acted like he could. He fought like he could. They let it go on for a little while. He looked fine. But listen, I I'm thought, not going to thought... argue with a doctor who's got a pen light and he's looking at the pupils supposedly to see whether or not they dilate and whether or not the guy's all there. So that's the I'm doctor's my... job. I might be wrong, but I got the impression just looking at it. And again, I wasn't studying it, but I got the impression that Rodriguez was like basically saying, like, I can't see. I thought that's that's again. Don't jump on me. please. I didn't I'm think just that. Giving, uh, any of the fans, I'm just. But I don't opinion. know. Maybe I you're right. I kind of got the vibe just watching like, does Rodriguez want to be here? I mean, he went down like he got shot. I mean, he went down. So he must have been. It must have really hurt because. You, you, you can't act that kind of reaction. And I think and I feel like after he had a chance to think about it, it didn't bust his eye. Like, it didn't really damage uh, yeah. his eye. But, but it, you don't but, know how he could see. But, I don't, but, I'm not but him. You know so. what, to your point, you know what might have been in his head, too, a little bit besides uh, besides uh, uh, cobwebs from that terrible clash, you know? Yeah. Besides that, which is the most important thing. But he might have been saying, I missed my opportunity here. They took it away from me. Uh, yeah. I dropped a guy. They give him time to rest, and now he's I not as hurt. I completely agree. And, and he might have been upset about that and said, I was going to knock him out. And now they took that away from me. Yep. And you know what? If I got an opportunity now just to go to the scorecards and I don't have to go any further after they let this guy recover, I'm going to go to the scorecards. So maybe to your point, maybe you make a brilliant point there, Ken. So maybe to your point, he was thinking that, he was looking at but. It was kind of forced on him because of the confusion. I, I completely uh, agree with you. That's right. The, I just, I just thought he was that, like that they, exactly that, what you said. Let like me the, out of here. I got yeah, the win. I mean, it was like the it was like the gang that couldn't shoot straight. I mean, uh, it, it was just chaos. And at the end of the day, you can't be chaos in a sport that's this dangerous, that's this important, that's this impactful on somebody's life. But anyway, uh, they. They got it right. They gave it to the right guy. Maybe they saved Russell. Not only he got his first loss, but they might have saved him from a knockout loss. They might have. Yep. They might point. have. I don't know. I'm not and saying that. Again, only, I'm not saying that a... was what was behind it. But all these things have to be said because if we don't say it, nobody's going to say it. And believe yeah. me, the fans are thinking what we're saying. But they want us to say it because we represent them. Because there's nobody else saying it. You know why? Because they're all howling for their meals. Because you know the network pays them. The promoters uh, are, are part of that. They they got to make the promoter and the network happy. So they, for the most part, they're never going to go down these roads we go down. But again, Rodriguez fought a great fight. He's a guy worth watching now. Uh, big win. His fan. only loss, Teddy. His only previous loss was to Anoya Inouye in a split decision loss to another guy I, I'm not familiar with. But Inouye's one of the best fighters. Of course. Uh, I mean, but he uh, got you, knocked out by Inouye. So yeah. You know. Well, well, I mean, Inouye's. I'm going to say it again. Inouye is is pound for pound probably in the top three in the world. Three or four. I completely agree. I'm just saying for people that might not be familiar with Rodriguez, he is frigging good. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, this might be the best outcome. For, obviously for Gary Russell, you want to win. But considering where he was at at the end of that round and facing a potentially getting knocked out, to your point, Hey, he ends up losing. They 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 stopped the fight on an incidental headbutt. Go to the scorecards. He has a legitimate argument to say we need a rematch. This is the second time both end in headbutts. I lost, but I didn't get knocked out. Rodriguez gets the win. He's you know he's excited and you know it's close to a win-win as you can get. On you know obviously 
not for Gary, but for everyone else involved. Now the promoters can make the fight again. They've already done it twice. They could probably do it again. Great point. See, Great point. Well, we unravel it all. We unpack it all. Uh, I'd, I'd watch that right. fight again. I loved that fight. There was good action between two highly skilled, fast guys. And um, I think that's basically all we've got to say on that one. Um, let's jump into the co-main over at um, on the Wilder Show. And that was uh, Nashville native, Nashville son, um, the great Caleb Plant coming off the loss to... Um, uh, Canelo, the Golden Goose, um, one-sided beatdown for Canelo in that one, unfortunately. But I like Caleb Plant a lot, and he bounces back against Darrell, gets the knockout in the ninth round, and a big grudge match. Um, the only thing that I would say bad is— Bad blood, I, a lot of bad blood, and, bad and it, blood. It, it got ugly. It got ugly. It got we'll ugly. get into it. We'll, we'll get into yeah. it, but it got ugly. And, and, and it, was, it got very— Personal, it, 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 yeah, it got very per too personal. And, too personal, and, yeah, it did. And and uh, listen, it it got, you know, it got to that point inside the ring where you know they're throwing each other around. The uh, hit, uh, well, for the most part, most of it was initiated, quite frankly, by Darrell uh, yeah. in the ring where he threw him plant to the ground, and um, but it, it was. You know, it, it was getting uh, where it shouldn't I'm say get. What, one last thing, and then I want to turn it over to you to get your thoughts on, on the actual boxing action. But to your point, a lot of bad blood, a lot of wrestling around. They really didn't like each other. The one thing that really bummed me out, because, again, I like Caleb Plant. I've met him a few times. I met him at the Dave Chappelle, Joe Rogan show in the green room. Just to, well, I think it, it bummed out like everyone what he did at really, the end. Yeah, and then, dude, I... I so badly want to talk to some of these guys and be like, you just beat him. You knocked him out cold. Once you do that, you're the winner. Like, how much more satisfying? Don't throw dirt on the guy, dude. What are you in the WWE? It looks crazy. I hope he comes out and apologizes. You can't take it back now. And it looks silly. You're a a grown man. You're an adult. I don't know if he has kids, but if you do have kids, like... That's the kind of crap that you that I see on TV, and I tell my kids, "You see that? That's a sore winner right there." Who you don't need to embarrass a guy. I don't care what he did or said. You've knocked him out cold. He's stiff as a board. If you don't get enough satisfaction out of beating him at his own game and showing him who's the boss, man, take a look inside because that says a lot about you when you behave like that after you've you know essentially humiliated the other guy. Uh, you, you, you within reason. You know what I mean? It's like. There's not a worse way to lose than to be like stiffened out and like starched than to do all that craziness. It doesn't say anything about the fighter that's knocked out, no matter what your beef was. And it says everything about you. And I'm going to give Caleb the benefit of the doubt, because like I said, he seems like a nice guy. I've spoken to him a couple times. I just hope he learned something from this and at least apologizes man to man with Darrell because that was uncalled for. I don't care what he did, whatever he did. You knocked him out cold. If that's not enough, well, apparently for you. he said he said some nasty stuff to him, and you know he, you know he Their said words. stupid stuff like uh, uh, "I ain't letting a white boy beat me," and that's just stupid. the stupidest well, thing. The color of someone's, stupid. the color of the skin but, means nothing, and anyone who's, who well, brings very, up color listen, is an idiot. But but that's the point that I, you got to put in perspective. You got to you got to say, wait a minute, that's just a stupid 
it's insensitive. It's trying to be hurtful, I guess. But it, it, it's stupid. It's just stupid. So what are you it's, gonna it's, do? It's yeah. So Color now you're gonna your now you're gonna make believe you're you're digging a grave. That's what he was doing. He was making yeah, believe no, he was no, digging I know. a grave. Yeah, and he's gonna do that. Uh, why? Because he said some stupid stuff. I mean, like, please, please. Please. And Teddy, that, that's uh, to you know, point. Say, uh, and say, I get it. Look, wait, wait. I, I, I got to say, I understand you get upset by things that, you know, that old saying, sticking the stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt me. But words do hurt. They of do hurt. They do. And and I, I agree. So I understand that he's upset and stuff. But again, that's not the way. The way you handle it, like we used to say in old days with these. That's how you handled. You bring your old judges. He yeah. showed and he everyone did. who's and the boss. And there was nothing. There was nothing that was gonna amplify that win more. There was no. nothing. He needed anything more. There was nothing that was gonna make more of a statement than what he did. Nothing. That's right. Nothing. Matter of fact, that that knockout was so sensational. It it echoed. And you don't yeah. get too many of those. It echoed. But what took away the echo was what he did. Because yes. that that the that muted that muted I mean, some Teddy, of the look. some of the sound that came from that 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 win. And and yes. it was it was there, it was resonating in the place. It was resonating on TV. Wow. Knockout like that. And and then a lot of that gets muted and quieted. There's nothing louder than a performance, but that performance got quieted by Teddy, to that, your point, that action that's, afterwards. That's what we're talking about right now instead of, whoa, hey, Teddy, you see Caleb Plant? What a knockout, man. He put he, he starched them. Wow. What's next for Caleb? Instead, we've got to like explain... Hey, this is on a this is unacceptable. This is inappropriate. We're Listen, fans I of think, you. Look, Don't do that. Everything stuff. was on it was unacceptable what Darrell did. It was unacceptable uh what Plant did, but a little worse because at the end of the day, yeah. the guy's laying there. It's a it's God forbid it's, it's dangerous. A, it's a dangerous sport. The guy's laying there, he's concussed, he's laying there. That's not the time to do that so anyway uh, hold on one uh, other thing i wanted to yeah, i just want to say I'm one sorry. thing saying that someone i'm not gonna be a white boy beat me is like saying you know you're you you're from let's say the bronx and you're fighting a guy from westchester county and you're like i'm not gonna let some half a sissy from preppy. westchester i'm not gonna county let a preppy if, i'm not gonna you, let a preppy beat me whatever yeah i tell people all this this all the time if you don't think that there are tough people from all walks of life rich neighborhoods poor neighborhoods you are making a huge mistake go to a wrestling tournament in the midwest those kids will be from the farm they'll it's be from ignorance. the inner city Ken, it Ken, doesn't it's ignorance. matter Ken, tough is tough 110 percent. what you said yes but it's ignorance it's ignorance and it's uh, we gotta be we gotta be better to each other we gotta yes. be better as people we really do and i get i know i'm gonna get to it later but I give credit to Wilder. I never liked Wilder. I'll be honest with you. The way he conducted himself, he could punch like hell. He didn't know how to fight that great, but he could punch like hell. He's had a great promoter. Uh, Heyman, he's made a lot of money. Um, you, I give him credit. He's a tough guy. He showed a lot of heart. Um, and really, I, I give him all that credit. And he could punch. But the way he would act and the way he would conduct himself, I, I wasn't for it. But I was for it the other night when... After the fight, he was different. He was different. He was different. Maybe the loss to Fury humbled him. Maybe it matured him. Maybe it made him think differently. Whatever. But he was different. 
and and all of a sudden he's quiet he's you know he's more mellow and what does he say he said hey people we got to start caring about this too there's too much hate out there we got to start treating each other better we got to start loving each other we got to start showing love and care towards each other and you know what i'll tell you the truth I, I had to say this. I could have waited till we cover that fight, but I had to say it since we're talking about this stuff right now, Ken. And, you know, when it's the time, it's the time. I've seen pictures of him and other champions with those belts around their shoulders. They're strapped around their shoulders, around their weight to show their champion. You know what? That doesn't show you a champion. The way he talked, the way Wilder talked, those words, when he said that, that we have to care about each other, we have to love people more, that was the first time that I looked at him as a champion. I got to tell you, some people out there like what I said. Some people might not. They say, oh, Teddy, you're not, yeah, well, you didn't like him before. No, not really. I liked that he could punch, and I said he was one of the greatest punchers I, I think the heavyweight division has ever seen, and that's me. That's me who knows the history of the boxing more than the average person saying it's, it's, it's a strong statement, but I also say other strong statements that I believe in, that I didn't think he conducted himself the way that a champion could because he influences a lot of people being heavyweight champ. And he influenced them the other night the right way. He, again, I seen pictures of him with belts on him and all that stuff. This time he looked like a champion. He sounded like a champion. I I just... We'll I, get in. We'll get into Wilder because that was a sensational knockout. But let's uh, let's break this action down on the uh, Plant Durrell. What'd you think of the action aside from the knockout? How you like very the fight very conservative, very careful, very cautious. They were both playing chess. Nobody wanted to make a move and leave the other guy's rook wide open. They were being very careful, both of them. Every once in a while. Uh, Plant jumped in, got a little reckless, and right away Darrell looked to counter, uh, to counter him. Plant is a good, solid technical fighter. He doesn't do one thing great, but he does everything really well. He he's a good, solid boxer that is cerebral. He thinks, he calculates, he's trying to do things the right way. He's a proud guy. He came in top shape off of that loss to Canelo. You could see his pride. You could feel his pride. Uh, he's got what a fighter needs to have. Um, and he's got the right promoter. He's got the right people helping him. Like I said earlier, I give all that credit when, when the credit is due. Um, but he's he was looking to box. He was looking to find the right spot and not leave himself vulnerable. If he does anything wrong, he boxes well, he uses a jab well, he's got good hand speed, he, he, he's technically solid, he, he knows how to put punches together, he could go inside, he could box outside. The only thing I would correct on Plant, and I think it's going to be a problem for him if you don't correct it when he moves up the ladder again, is where he jumps in. He gets reckless. You could catch him. You could time him. He's going to pay a price for that if you don't correct it. Where he jumps in or he goes straight back. He keeps his left hand down. So he'll jump in. You could catch him because the left hand slows sometimes. Or he'll go back straight with the left hand low and you could catch him on the way out. In other words, you could catch him coming. You could catch him going uh, sometimes. I, I, if you don't correct that, I really do think, and I'll say it, I'm not wishing it on him, but he's going to pay a big price. Uh, with the wrong guy. Uh, but having said that, he was using feints. You could see what was on his mind. He didn't want to get counted. He fainted. He was f knocking at the door, trying to come in the side door, knocking at the front door, stepping out, trying to keep Darrell, trying to get Darrell 
to draw to draw Darrell's fire. So when he did come in, he come in safely. And Darrell, for the most part, was doing similar. He was he was looking at counter. He he was you know keeping his hands in his pocket. He wasn't neither guy was doing a lot. Um, but it was a fight that slowly and gradually Plant started taking control of. I I felt that he you know wasn't anything sensational. But where you could say, oh, wow, he's dominating. But I thought he was taking control more and more and more. Slowly and surely, drip by drip, drop by drop, trying to be careful. And just starting to get more and more confident, more and more sure of himself after the long layoff, having been knocked out by Canelo. And and he started to get more and more to where he wanted to be. Uh, here's what I thought. I like to put things in perspective. Yeah, sensational knockout. But Darrell's 38 years old, and I give him credit. He overcame cancer. There's a kid deserve him and his brother both became world champions. He deserves credit for that. He's 38 years old. Uh, I think it's time to retire. I mean, especially if the knockout, that's up to him, like that. But this is what I saw. I saw, a, let's say, a gunslinger that no longer could pull the trigger as quick as he used to. I saw Darrell, I'm not saying he was a gunslinger as a fighter, but I, I saw a guy who looked like he wanted to pull the trigger as the fight went on especially, and he couldn't pull it quite quick enough. He just couldn't pull it quite quick. I wonder if Plant felt that. I think he might have, but he couldn't quite. Fighters are intuitive. They're innate. They're instinctual, the good ones. And they feel things, and they listen to those things. And I just wonder if Plant felt that and and kind of resonated with him a little bit. And Darrell, again, he just, especially as it went on, it just seemed like he'd be a little late pulling the trigger. He landed a few counters when when Plant came in early, and when he went back, he, he caught him with right hand going back with his left hand down. But then... As the fight progressed, just, again, it was like hard for him to get the gun out of the holster. And then what happens? I, you get a traditional, there's no older combination, more traditional combination than the double hook. The, the Mickey Ward made it famous, or made it work for him in a famous way, where you hook to the body. Uh, Joe Frazier did a pretty damn good job with it too. But where you hook to the body and then you hook to that. The, the body shot can drop the hand of the opponent or freeze him and then the head shot catches him. Well, he executed that beautifully. But again, maybe I see more than the average person. It's my life, 50 years. And I'm looking at it. He overreacted, Darrell. It wasn't real clean, but he he overemphasized blocking, where he almost squashed his way, like he squinted his way, his body crunched his body down to block it, and he froze himself there. And it was like it was like for a moment in time he got frozen there, blocking a punch, and then his reaction time again was just a split second off, and then. All of a sudden, he comes. He decides, okay, I'm going to come back now. But when he, when he covered up in the excessive way that he did to block that body punch, he blinded himself, where he really couldn't see what was going on anymore. 
I have a rule with my fighters. Yeah, I want them to move their head after they punch. Yeah, I want them to learn to control range. Yeah, I want them to learn how to go to the body. Yeah, I want them to learn how to take the fat off the punches and throw concise punches. You know. Yeah, I want them to learn how to mix defense with offense. I, I teach all those things. But the most basic thing I say to a fighter is, always see your man. I know it sounds so simple, it's too simple. Always keep your eyes on your man. Never take those eyes off. Keep your eyes, see him, see the punches at every second. You can't afford that split second where you lose visual contact with your opponent and his punches. Keep your eyes open. And for that split second, his eye contact wasn't there. And then he decides to open up with a hook. His right hand dropped. The hook was a little fat. Again, he was just a little slower than he would have been probably a few years ago. He is 38 years old. And bang. At the perfect time or the wrong time, depending on how you're looking at it for Darrell or for Plant, where he starts to throw that hook, right hand drop. He doesn't see the hook coming back. And the hook comes back from the, from Plant right on the chin. And, it, you know, it, he had been knocked out a few fights ago by Benavides, who's, who's a monster. He's a big, I don't think anyone wants to fight him, even Canelo. But Benavides, big, strong guy and a fighter's mentality. And Benavides had knocked out, uh, had knocked out Darrell a few fights ago. He gave him a beatdown. He was too big, he was too young, he was too strong. But this was different. This wasn't a beatdown. This was a short circuit. This was a blackout. This was like sitting in your house and the lights go out. That's what this was. Sudden. Bang. Lights out. And, you know. How'd you like the setup of that thing? You went down to the body looking down. Well, no, that's down. why I said, Ken, it's the most traditional punch in, in our sport. Yeah. To, to a certain extent, besides the jab, the double hook, the hook to the body, put water in the basement, as I would always say on ESPN, then go down, uh, upstairs to the attic. It was and, literally and, and, like the textbook version. If you wanted to describe that to someone, you'd show them that replay and be like, this is exactly how you yeah, do it. Yeah, but I want to go happens. further. Hopefully yeah. the people get it. I, I want to, uh, during that moment, he something went wrong. He lost eye contact. He'd be in Darrell. Yep. And... And and he got frozen in time. He put too much emphasis on blocking that punch. I know it sounds funny, but he didn't have to go to that extreme place to block that punch. And by going to that extreme place, he left himself in an extremely vulnerable position a half a second later. So, um, again, I uh, at the end of the day, uh, Plant gets, you know, Plant gets the win, the comeback win that he needs to get. Uh, he does it in a sensational way, but he hurt himself. To your point, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna belabor it, uh, belabor it. But he, you couldn't have said anything louder than what that punch said, and he diminished some of that. He diminished some of that that loudness, if you will, you know. Some of that noise, he, he made a noisy punch. The aftermath became quiet. It became quiet because of him digging the grave where it shouldn't have became quiet. He should have just walked away, went into the corner, waited to, and then went over to make sure the guy was okay. 
that would have got the most out of a magnificent left hook. That's all I can say. But at the end of the day, we all learn. We all make mistakes. Thank God. Thank God Darrell's okay. That That's the most important thing. Plant, you know, plant moves on. Yep. Be interesting to see what's next oh, for Oh, one KLM. thing I want to throw in here, Ken. Of course. I don't think commissions do their job anymore. We pay for a lot of them. We, See, that we, was that. If I said that to you, you know what you would say to me? Thanks, Captain Obvious. All right. You're right. <laughs> say it to me. Thanks, Teddy Obvious. But I love I don't, you. I'm just teasing uh, you. No, I know. Uh, they. Uh, we pay for a There's lot of a these There's a lot of people in we boxing for, that don't do the great job but on Ken, the administration we pay, size. But we, yeah, and we pay for their salaries with a lot of these commissions, taxpayer money. And they're not doing their job. And I'll tell you something. You're not including all the kickbacks, are you? Uh-huh. I, I'll <laughs> tell you something. Here, here's one. This one is going to catch people maybe a little by surprise. But in the old days, there were rules. There were standards. You couldn't wear a hat in a corner. You couldn't, you couldn't go in a corner, you know, uh, uh, like whatever i mean you can't be on the nba floor as a coach with you know dressed uh, like crazy uh you know and 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 uh bringing a cell phone or something but but you see all that in the it's like there's no rules the like there used to be a code of conduct a code of rule it used to be treated like a professional being in a corner the whole every element of it the fighters are doing some dangerous everyone else should conduct themselves in a professional manner in such a difficult sport uh, where, where things should be respected. There should be a level of respect, and part of that respect sh- should be towards the code of conduct of how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself professionally in a corner. And, but there's none of that anymore. It's like anything's allowed. And the point I'm making is back in the old days, you couldn't have a big beard, Ken. Uh, the commission the day before at the weigh-in would say, hey, you got to shave that. You got to shave that. And if you don't shave and you come back in the locker room with that beard, we're going to give you a razor and you're going to shave it before you're allowed to get in the ring. Uh, there was a certain length. I know it was an inch. Whatever it was that you couldn't have too much growth. Why? For a couple of reasons. One, it could buffer the punch a little bit maybe, you know, and cushion a blow. Maybe some fighters do it for that reason. Maybe they just do it because they like beards. Um, but also in the old days, if a guy got a cut and you got inside with him and you were, allowed to, you were actually allowed to fight on the inside back in the old days by the refs, there were good refs there. They understood the game. And you could use your beard to grind into that cut a little bit i know it sounds grotesque but you know it's a tough business people i'm sorry and i know it sounds tough you don't want to hear that especially if you're going to have lunch after you watch this but um so they would limit the beard and now there's no limits to anything ken i mean uh, you know i'm i'm looking at the beard on on plan i'm not saying it had any uh, any kind of impact on a fight it didn't but it was this thick i mean it was like two three inches thick and i'm looking at him saying oh my now Darrell had one too but it wasn't as thick and i'm saying wait a minute wait a minute there used to be a rule a real rule in real commission states where you couldn't have that what happened to those rules that's all. I had to say that because I, I, I wonder if there's other fans out there that were watching a fight and they're thinking what Teddy's talking about right now. They're thinking, yeah, that beard was kind of crazy. Um, and I was wondering, why was it allowed? I guess everything's allowed nowadays. 
That's part of the problem. When you allow everything, then, <laughs> then what's wrong? Then, I got a, then, I got a good then what's not allowed story. anymore? I got a good commission story for you. <laughs> when we had the fight in Philly, when we were with uh, Alex Vosdick, when he fought Better Biev. So we come out and... Uh, Teddy, myself, and Chris Camacho had lived together for eight weeks in an apartment building in uh, in in Philly. Didn't see the kids. We, I mean, it was we were there. We were committed, and um, you know, we're getting down to crunch time. I think you can have maybe four people in the corner: head trainer, assistant trainer, cut man, and maybe one more. And um, your friend came in from Vegas. Teddy, what's his name? I'm just spacing. Um, who's your friend from Vegas who works at the casino? Who works all the corners with you? Uh, oh. Uh, the little, oh, oh, sh- oh, oh sh- my man, my man, my my yeah, brother, Saul Avila, Saul Avila. He did for the fans out there that remember the Friday night fights. He was my guy doing the Friday night fights when we used to do the plan. fight plan. Yeah, that's yep. him. Saul, he's so, my brother. Yep. So Saul's another mother. He's- He's going to be working the corner, and then we had the, um, the, the cut man. And so there's one more spot, and Chris and I uh, candidly are like, man, I hope we can be in the corner. And <laughs> we go into the ring. Uh, Alex gets in the ring. We all get in the ring. We're all together, and we're kind of like all hovering around like, oh, how's this going to work? And whoever the commission is, commissioner is in Pennsylvania, there was other people Greg crowding Serb. around the ring. Greg yep. Serb. Greg's are not had nothing to do with us, but basically there were people A- AKA, inside. AKA Napoleon. I was um, gonna say. I, I, he was no, the, I'm joking. I'm joking. He I'm was just, a nice just, guy, but he no, was no, like no, a little he, bit aggressive. Listen, yeah, he's a little out there with himself a little bit, to be quite <laughs> frank. But he's um, we all get there sometimes a little bit. But he's a good commissioner. He he's pretty serious. You yeah, know, he, very he, serious. He, he was not messing pretty, around. No, so no. Anyway, I mean, he, he, he tries to run a tight ship. Yeah, so he's running a tight ship. So it's a little bit chaotic inside the apron, you know, for people who go to fights. You know, there's like an inner ring where all like commissioners, big wigs, hobnobbers are all in there. So we're sitting there in the corner. We're standing there. And he came through. There must have been a couple extra people floating around. It had nothing to do with our team specifically. But he came storming through. And thank God I see him coming. And I just kind of like squeeze up against the ring. And he cleared out like 20 people. And poor Camacho. He's like, get out. And Chris is like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with the fighter. He's like, I don't care what anyone does. And literally threw him out of the apron side. So Chris is like standing on the other side of the apron. But we had all been there together. It was just such an awkward thing because I was like, Damn, dude, I, he's he's already like yelled at both of us. I don't want to get on this guy's bad side at this thing. You want to do nothing to get and in, interfere with anything to do with the fight. But it was uh, it, it was both funny and kind of sad because after spending eight weeks, now Camacho's standing on the outside of the apron just by happenstance. The way he cleared, came through like a street. He was sweeper. still there. He was still there. Oh, of course, there. I, of course, he, he was did a still great there, job. and he did a good job in camp. And yep. I'm sorry I didn't do enough of a job to get the win. Eh, you know, that's part of life. If if you if you fall, knew you wouldn't that, lose, nah, if that you falls, knew you couldn't lose, you wouldn't yeah, do anything. That falls on me. I came up short. My fighter gave his all, and um, at the end of the day, it wasn't quite enough. Better be of to his credit was uh, was very special. It was very well, real, very special. We were winning we, the yeah. fight. We were winning going the fight. On those judge going we into the round, we're ahead on the scorecards. Yeah, he just you know, like you know. they say in a 
like they said in the movie the gambler the guy the guy went to bed the degenerate gambler that he was he went to bed uh all his teams were winning and he gets up the next morning he's feeling good he calls up he calls the the bookie up because how much what's my number how much he he goes you're in the you're in the red for 40k he goes what he goes, what are you talking about? He goes, when I went to bed last night, all my teams were winning. He goes, Charlie, we don't pay off at halftime. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what I mean. That's that's a there's a there's a little nugget for life. There's a little nugget of of life lesson right there. Um, <laughs> yep. They don't pay off, guys out there. Listen, they you don't we don't get the title after ten good rounds. You got to yeah. go twelve. You got to so go close. the distance, you know? So close. That was a heartbreaker. But, hey, you know what I do when I'm feeling down, Teddy? I have a bottle of feel-free botanical tonics. Feel-free botanical tonics. Go to botanicbotanics.com. You use the promo code ATLAS, and it's... Just for you guys, forty percent off your first oh, purchase. And I'm not, I'm not joking. I like to take these when I want to relax. I take these before I run a race. I'm not kidding. I drink this before the race. Anyone who knows me will tell you. Oh no, no, he actually really does that. This kava, whatever kava does, you can all Google it. K A V A. I love it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel, if I need energy, it makes me feel energetic. If I want to relax, it makes me feel relaxed. I don't know what it is. I'm sure I'm going to get a barrage of um, intel about what kava does, good, bad, and indifferent. But anyway, go to botanictonics.com. Look at the feel free. Get a box. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. You'll get 40% off your purchase, and I can't say enough good things. One person who didn't need a bottle of feel free was the Alabama Slammer, Deontay Wilder, with a one-shot, one-hitter quitter. Holy cow, it reminds me of his Donald Brazil fight or his um, second uh, uh, Bermain Stavern. He's just starched him, one shot. And Teddy, I want to get difference, your thoughts on this. Big difference, big difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he no, deli- in those, no, no. In those fights, he delivered it by setting it up with the jab. Yes. This time, he set it up with his legs, something we never saw before. He actually used technique. He used his legs. Credit to Malik Scott, his new trainer. Give me one second. I want to get to all this uninterrupted because there's a lot to unpack, and I just want to, like, set up for someone who might not have seen the fight. Deontay Wilder, you know, you, you've been very critical of his boxing technique, rightfully so. But the one thing that no one will criticize is this guy can oh, crack. I mean, and if he hit and if he hits Ken, you. Punches, I always say punches are born. They're not made. And, correct. And there's not a million guys born to punch. And he's born no, to not punch. not like this. And to your point, Teddy, and tell me what you think. He was he basically went back into the ropes. He didn't quite use his full momentum to bounce off the ropes and like deliver a haymaker, but he bounced off the ropes strategically. And Teddy, if this punch went four inches, that would be a, a lot. It was just a little short check right hook, like awkward boink, and touched him right on the chin and Big Hellenius was stiff as a board. So that guy's got power. He said he switched up his gloves because he kept breaking his hands. I think he's using Grant gloves now. But my God, can Wilder punch? And to your point, I can understand. He Sometimes he acts crazy and says some crazy things. But I, for some reason, no, no, I no, think no, this no, guy... No, 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 no. But he got, I don't know if he got humbled by the beating he took in his last fight. And he took a beating. And, and yes. he showed a lot of heart. And he Two also beatings. dropped fury. 
but two in a row. I, I think it changed things in his life. His, I, his that's outlook. what I was going to say. Is yeah, I, I think, really do. And I think he's a more well, he's a more mature, humble person now. But again, I never saw him as a world champion until the other night. And he's not a champion right now, technically. But he acted like a champion when he said afterwards, we got to care about each other more. We gotta stop with the hate. When he did that, I was I was stunned. I said, "Good for you, good wow." You know what? I could like you now. I mean, like, <laughs> not that he needs me to like him. He don't give a crap. I'm sure, but I don't care. I just care about what's important to me and what I believe in and what I think matters. I have grandchildren. I have children. Uh, you know, I I want to see people treated right. You want and the heavyweight champ to act like that. You want I, to be yeah, able to I want, tell people I want he's to an see inspiration. Him be, I know people will, Charles Barkley, who I love, and he's one of the greats, and he's so smart, and he's great, and he's gutsy, and say what he believes. He once said, I'm not a role model. But some things you don't get a chance, you don't get the, you yep. really don't get the ability to, to choose. Whether you like it or not, you are a role model sometimes when you're in that position where kids look up to you. And when you're heavyweight champ of the world, like it or not, you can be a role model un, unbeknownst to you, to, to thousands, even millions of kids sometimes. And it's important how that role model, what comes out of his mouth, what his behavior is, what he does, because it gets absorbed by kids. I watch my grandchildren. They're like sponges. They yep. absorb everything you say. I say something not realize it. Two days later, he'll say, where'd you, where'd you hear that? Where'd you hear? You, Papa. I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, but Teddy, uh -huh. you, know how you, you know how you have to think about that? Is think about all the memories you have. Nothing ever will replace the first time you experience X, Y, and Z. And if those experiences are positive with the parents, it's something I wrestle with myself, with my kids, because I make plenty of mistakes. But I have to constantly remind myself, like, they've never been, or like even taking them to a game. They've never been to a game. I've got to, like, tell them everything that's going on. It's just like they've been into a, allowed into a carnival, and they're like, Dad, why are the people screaming? Why is someone cursing this, you know? And it's just such a good reminder that they're listening to every single thing but the final thing I'll say about Wilder before I turn it over to you is basically just what you just said I heard him give that uh, it, it interview afterwards and I just feel like Deontay Wilder seems like he has a good heart I could do without all the glove controversy and other things, but I can give people a pass. We have to give people a chance at redemption. So, I, and we've all made stupid mistakes. I've, did, I've done things that I'm so ashamed of. I'll never live them down, mainly to myself. But the bottom line is if you you can't live in the past. You can't carry that like an albatross around your neck forever. You can make mistakes, but guess what? Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Everything starts today. Whatever happened tomorrow is over. You can't change it. So I like the way Deontay Wilder handled himself. I wish him all the best. I like him. Per like I, I like him. I, I hope he does well, and you know, hopefully, he learns from the other the, from the mistakes of the past with you know the trainer and the gloves and. Moving on, make amends and moving on. It is, we, we need to have a chance at redemption for everyone. How'd you like the fight? What was, what was, what there was? Remember that it? TV show, You're Too Young, TV show years ago, I used to like it. The Jeffersons, moving on up. I'm too moving young, up. that was like my favorite. When I ever moved to New York City when I was a kid and I lived on the Upper East Side, I, I would like, think about I that song every time I'd walk home. I'd be like, I, I can't believe I live, I'm live. i living on on the East Side. Yeah, east I was side, like baby. I was living moving in Beverly on. Hills.
moving on up, moving on up. Um, I said before the fight, I tweeted just before the fight started. I didn't realize how um, on the button I was going to be, maybe, I don't know. Or it almost was, I'm not saying clairvoyant, but I just tweeted out, there's a reason why why does people pick this guy for his comeback fight, you know, after being obviously so devastated physically and mentally in that fight? There's a reason why they picked this guy. And then about three minutes later, you saw why the guy's out. Now, taking nothing away from Wilder, let's break it down. But But there's a lot to break down, even though it was a minute. There's still a lot in that that circulates peripherally on the outskirts here of of the ring apron of this fight that go into properly understanding what happened here. Um, Hellenio's 38 years old. And yeah, we're going to go crazy, he knocked him out. But he, he knocked out a guy and he did it. And he did it and it was important. That, and to me, it's not that he did it, it's how he did it that's more relevant here. That's more impressive here. Because Helene has been knocked out before by lesser bangers than Wilder. He's been knocked out twice. And, you know, he, he had lost most of his fights at the top level. But he's been in there with good fighters, as I said before the fight. And again, as I said on the program before the fight, you can't take anything for granted when a guy took the beating that Wilder took in his last fight with Fury. There's a piece of you left in that ring. That's why I fight for the fighters because I don't want them to get robbed because I know every time they get in the ring, they leave the ring with less of themselves. And he left the ring with less of himself. He did. Uh, and you got to be cognizant of that. You got to say, okay, pick this opponent the right way now because of that, because of the damage psychologically and physically that he took in that fight. So that's part of it. And they... The thing, again, he got a new trainer for the Fury fight. It didn't really show any difference. And now it showed maybe a little difference here. Malik Scott, who was a heavyweight, he was a cautious fighter, a defensive-minded fighter. He got knocked out in one round by Wilder. That's the funny thing. Now he's his trainer. I think he did anyway. Pretty sure he did. And now he's training Wilder, but he was a defensive fighter. He's trying to give Wilder something, some idea of something he never had defense a defensive you know posture and understanding to him where his whole life in the ring has been offense you know i hit the guy and he's gone and that's the end of it and so he's trying to do that and maybe some of it really showed but here's the interest the interesting thing isn't that he knocked the guy out in a minute or whatever it was like i said there's peripheral stuff there's there's collateral stuff that's much more interesting nobody talked about it, but why was Wilder 238 pounds his last fight and this one he's 214? Now, maybe he was on a massive weight program. He was bulked up. I thought it hurt, it hurt him. He was so big. He was so bulky. He was like Hercules. He couldn't move. 
and he got tired quickly. You know about well, that. Teddy, real quick, yeah, your he muscles got, he don't got get bulky. He yeah, got bulky, he, but then he had the audacity to say his forty-pound suit weighed him down. No, that was, was the his, fight before that. That was the right. one. That was the first Fury knockout loss. You're right. Uh, but this last knockout loss, he came in there really bulky. 238 pounds, all kinds of muscle on top of muscle. I think he tired in that fight. His muscles couldn't get the oxygen properly in a fight like that. And he, um, but he did it for a reason. I always say 75% of this game is mental. And 75% of life for all of you guys in your games out there, whatever that game is, whatever that fight is, it's mental. How do you feel about yourself? What do you believe? Not what you could do and how smart you are and how physical and how, but what do you believe you can do? That holds you back or that catapults you, one or the other. And and I think that when he got knocked out in the rematch with the suit, you talked about he, he blamed it on the suit was too heavy and all that stuff. He got he got knocked out by Fury in the rematch. Now he's going to fight him for the trilogy, and he was scared. We're all scared. Anyone says they're not, please get out of here. You either got to go to a doctor or find out find out what's wrong with you or you're lying. Hey, he's scared. I mean, fighters are scared, but they're brave. They face their fears. They go in the ring. They do what they got to do. But he's coming into this trilogy fight, and he's, he's worried. I won't even say scared. He's doubting himself. Why wouldn't he? He just got knocked out. And... So he looks for something. So what does he look uh, away for? But he felt, if I get bigger, Fury's too big for me. Your imagination starts going nuts. I got to get bigger. And if I get bigger, I'll be better. I'll be safer. I got to have something to get me in that ring. Something to give me the confidence. Something to keep the wolf from the door. The wolf of doubt from the door. I got to have something to really hold on to. So I'm going to get bigger. I'm going to get bigger. He didn't get better. He got bigger. And he got tired, and his his muscles didn't oxygenate oxygenate uh, during the fight because they were too bulky. So he gets knocked out anyway. There's sometimes you find out that things aren't what you thought they were. There's falsehoods out there, and he finds out that that didn't help him. His strength had to come from him, not putting muscle on, not talking the way he talked, and yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all that stuff that he used to do. Uh, that's not what gives you strength. That, in some ways, that that's weakness. Because you're not facing what you got to face by yourself, alone. What's coming? Face it without putting on 30 pounds of muscle or 20 pounds of muscle. That you just, I'm not saying you can't help yourself in those areas, but at the end of the day, the greatest help you can get is to know who you are. To know who you are. To know that you can depend on yourself. That you can like yourself. You can trust yourself. You can believe in yourself. Not in the guy you build up. Not in the guy that gets 20 pounds. That, that, that's not you. You got to find you. And I think he went back and found him. I think he said, after he got knocked out, he said, okay, that didn't work. You know what? I can't keep reaching for these things to alleviate the, to push the wolf away, the wolf of doubt away from the door. I have to find the right door. The door that opens up the room to the most powerful thing in the world. Knowing who I am. Knowing who I am. Knowing where the real strength is. The strength is me. My conviction of what I do. My, my desire to do it. My resiliency towards doing it. 
That that that's my choice. That's I don't need anything more than that. He he allowed himself to go back to two hundred fourteen pounds and just be wilder and get improved in ways that really can improve you technically, doing other things. You know, that punch he threw that scored the knockout, that nice, smooth right hand that looked like nothing, he couldn't have thrown that in his last fight. He would have been too bulky to throw that. He couldn't even throw. He couldn't have moved on his legs that way because he was too bulky to, to move on his legs that way. He couldn't even done that. He, he allowed himself to really get free. He, he got liberated. I think he got liberated from all the things that he thought were keeping the wolf from the door. The muscles, the bravado, all that stuff that, that he thought was helping him, that, that was keeping the wolf from the door, from, uh, you know, that uh, alleviating the fears or the doubts. No, the only way to do that, they're always going to be there. You, you don't alleviate them. You accept them and you say, I'm ready for them. You embrace them. Come on, fear. Come on. But I'm ready for them. I'm ready for them. I'm ready to face it. I'm not hiding behind words and bravado and, and, and that kind of stuff or, or putting a needle in my arm. And I'm not saying he did or taking some. I'm not saying that or taking a supplement or, or even going crazy on a vapor. I am facing what I have to face as me. My strength is me. And I think he found that strength. And solace. I think he found solace, maturity. Well, he was a different person, a much better person, I think. And when you're a better, more decent person in those areas, you become a more powerful person. Because the other things are falsehoods. They're not you. They're, they're temporary. They're, 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 you know, trying to be nasty, trying to go. Uh, they're, not, they're not what real strength is being you. And I think that he found him. And I, I know I'm taking it deeper than, than people normally would take this stuff, but I, I've been in this business my whole life. I'm, I'm not in a f boxing business. I'm in the human business. I'm in the conquering business, conquering yourself. Understand what it is that we're fighting. Understanding that it's, it's not the other guy we're fighting so much. It's you. It's ourselves. What we have to overcome to be able to fight that fight properly. He behaved like a champion, and this was the best version of him, and I liked it. And as far as the technical part of it, you know, he set that up, like I said, in the past he used to set up his right hand. That's his power. That's his thunderbolt. That's Thor's hammer. He, he set it up by either going out there and just throwing it to it, land it, even if he fell into the fourth row while he was trying, or... He used his jab to blind you and then, you know, catch you with the right hand. This time he used his legs. He mobilely, swiftly, agilely moved around the ring. And he set this guy up with his brains too because he made the guy follow him. He made the guy walk in. He made the guy forget what you should never forget. There's danger in the ring. Let's see where Wilder goes from this. Because now yep. we don't want to see him fight the Helleniuses anymore. You know, no, now, now, now we want to see, okay, what, is that, what does that really mean? The new water, the sleeker water, the water that uses his legs. Teddy Atlas giving him all the credit in the world. What does it really mean now 
when he fights the real players. When he well, that's fights, that's what we have to see, Teddy. Is we have to yeah. see him. What in does with it mean? AJ and and Fury what does he do with it? Does he take it to the next step? The next time we see him and his new trainer Malik Scott, do we see? More of a change, more of a transitional uh, stuff going on. Uh, uh, you know, more progress in some of those areas. Do we see more? That's uh, it. That was a thorough breakdown. I am going to go run and use an emergency restroom stop. Teddy, thanks for everything. Uh, Rob and Sam, thanks for the work. Guys, if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe. And we'll be back next week. We got a huge UFC card coming from Abu Dhabi. And we'll break down all the action next week. Quiet weekend coming up in boxing. So it'll be all UFC next week. And um, with that, thank you everyone for being with us. Thank you to the sponsors. And Teddy, thank you for all the uh, analysis and uh, insight this week. 